You are listening to the Chomp Cast, the official podcast of Sword Chomp and SwordChomp.com. We know life is precious and your time is valuable, so thank you for making our show part of your day. Hopefully we can return the favor by enhancing the grind of life just a little bit because the Chomp Cast gives you double life experience points. Every show is streaming and downloadable at SwordChomp.com. And of course, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you download podcasts, please subscribe to the show. Leave us a kind rating on iTunes in particular. Help us rise the charts and meet new chompers like yourself. And if you're feeling really frisky uh, anytime during the show, why don't you just go on over to Patreon.com slash SwordChomp and uh, you can look for a bunch of great ways you could support us if you dig what we do. If not, that's fine too. We still love you. But you can become a VIP for just five bucks, and it has all sorts of amazing perks. So check it out, patreon.com slash swordchomp. But uh, we got a excellent show today. Um, you know, it's it's quite a drastic change uh, of cover art. Today I was looking at the original Assassin's Creed uh, in contrast to the newly announced Assassin's Creed of Valhalla. And uh, the 2007 cover art? Uh, featured a cloaked and slender Altier, and the mysterious assassin was moving through a crowd of people, and he had his iconic assassin weapon, the hidden blade, was prominent on the cover there, ready for the kill. Flash forward to 2020, and now, in the promotional material for Assassin's Creed Valhalla, you see a hulking, uh, bearded Viking with a giant hammer in toes, he stares menacingly into the distance, and the hidden blade is barely visible. But you can, you know, if you look closely, you can see it. It's just kind of an afterthought. The series has evolved quite a bit, and it got us thinking about the rise of Nordic mythology uh, in popular culture and video games as the topic of the show. So we'll talk about that with some input from you, the at Swordchomp Instagram audience. Um... <laughs> All the meatheads of Gears attempt to use those beefcake noggins uh, in Gears tactics, as we have Rich's first impressions of that. Um, Gears is getting tactical. And all four of us hit the streets and rage, rage against the dying of the beat em up genre, as we have our <laughs> uh, impressions of. Well, you know what that is, if you don't, too bad. Uh, we have all of our fun, goofy poll discussions like Murder Hornets. That's not really goofy, it's kind of scary. Nicholas Cage is Joe Exotic, and 80% of our audience is very wrong about Mario 64, and I'm disappointed. Um, but honestly, the most important question of the week, let's get right to it. Intros from New York. Uh, the Rich Meister is here. Rich, most important question of the week, Cyberpunk announced that you can uh, customize your genitalia. So let's talk. Let's talk, Gentilia. How you doing, Rich? I'm really happy for little Dicky. Yeah. Are you gonna be happy for your little Dicky? Um, uh, I, I never. No, I uh, won't. Um, no. I just hope I can do some sort of custom genitalia. You know, not really like something really gnarled up. Like you're not really sure what's going on down there. Okay. Okay. So it's kind of like a surprise. Basically, more like there's some buckshot lodged in there. Oh. Ugh. You? Or if I could just replace it with like a cybernetic piece, yeah. What yeah, if yeah, all of you made it home from the war? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but so you, instead, you, your penis looks like just ground hamburger, essentially, just like well, strings no. of ground hamburger. Just because I don't feel like that fits with the universe, like it, if that happened in Cyberpunk, you would have replaced it with something. Yeah, no, you'd, ha you'd have a cyberpunky. 
Exactly. It's true. Exactly. You'd have true. a Tesla down there. Now. I think that's I think that's <laughs> exactly. very classist of you guys. I think that's extremely classist. You're well, assuming no, that you w- people could afford to get it replaced. Well, my character can. Oh, okay. Your character is Ken. Okay, that's cool. That's a very yeah, his, original his name. name is uh, Cyber Ken. Yeah. <laughs> it's Ken. Um, but then that would fit if he had no penis. How horrible would that be? <laughs> if if that's you, the you joke. You actually had the the raised, you know, flesh colored underwear, but yep. it's actually the flesh. <laughs> yeah, that, oh, that's, that's like some horror shit right there. Yeah, that's and then uh, one of us has to make Barbie. And that's probably going to be Morgan. Well, what I was thinking more so was like, uh, you know, you know, like the port in the back of their heads in the Matrix when they come out of the goo, like yeah. that's just what's there. Oh yeah, that yeah, that sounds uh, reasonable. Yeah. That's cool. I like that. I like yeah. that. I was hoping to have mm. one of those navy hair sort of deals, but it, you know, similar. actually hidden in pants where it's supposed to be. Yeah, and this way, when you say "jack me," like mm-hmm. double meaning. Exactly. Hey, any. T- Anytime I can get, jo- <laughs> anytime I can get Josh to drop an Avatar reference, I'm happy about that. It's because it's your favorite film. Are you excited? They're finally filming the second part, and it'll be out just in time for 2030. I I don't like the idea that James Cameron thinks we loved Avatar so much that he can wait 10 years between sequels. Um, but when I seen- rode the ride at Disney World, that's the most I've ever been excited about Avatar because it made you be like, Avatar would be pretty cool if you were there. You know what they missed in, in jest about our, our conversation two weeks ago? Uh, let's just say, you know, Avatar, good movie, but they missed those. The characters were love not the like, last Airbender. I don't know who coming to Netflix that, May fifteenth. <laughs> oh come on! It was, I really enjoyed Avatar in theaters. I went and saw it three times. Yeah, three D. Yes, but the story the story's pretty not it's, good. It's Pocahontas. No, it's well that yeah. doesn't make it bad. It just doesn't make it. Exceptional. It just fights. I didn't. I didn't say. I didn't say it made it bad. But I can also acknowledge that the story sucks shit. (laughs) (laughs) He took the script for Pocahontas and over the top of it, he just wrote interior space, Mm -hmm. and then just the whole. But there was dragon. I mean, Pocahontas. If, po- if Pocahontas was training little dragon creatures, that would have been pretty cool. Well, yeah, no, he just put a change all, and he where it said raccoon, he put dragon. Uh I know. I Same know. story. But all I'm saying is, if those blue people were a little more iconic, you know, maybe, maybe. iconic. You're thinking of the American again. Indians. More, more if, iconic. No, the you character first, designs. Folks. I'm talking about the character. That not, not. I'm talking about uh, Avatar. But you not said Pocahontas. they're more, more iconic. More iconic than what? <laughs> if like whenever when you think about a lot of those, you know, like if you look at the top five movies of all time, I'm sure Avatar's in there, but like it's probably got the least iconic like character designs. They're just like bluish looking people, you know. I think that's part of the problem because you, you wouldn't just... run out there. It's not like kids are like, I want to buy an Avatar action figure because it's just like, you know. I, I wish that were the world. We... Do you guys remember <laughs> there's a scene in Avatar where they're just playing basketball in their Avatar bodies? Yeah, I yeah, do. it's a weird movie. I, I honestly liked it at the time in the 3D, and I don't care what anybody says. Um, no one's doubting the, the, the power of the visuals. I just think the actual, like, plot of the movie is, like... It's just uh, fine. All right. yeah, it, yeah, it's just fine. Whatever. F- fine is generous, but that's, this has nothing to do with Norse mythology, actually, weirdly enough. I think we could find a way to bring it full circle. Oh, we can. Uh, Shay, okay, so we know that Rich is going to have mass genitals, so that's probably not going to be great for him. Shay, what is your... Uh, we've we got to plan this now so we don't have to spend three hours on the genitalia slider screen, of course. What are you doing for your cyberpunk genitalia? 
Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna make a Jetter Shepherd as my genitalia. <laughs> okay, so he's gonna have the perfect uh, shaved six-inch male penis. Is that right? No, it means the yeah, sliders it... are pre-selected. Oh, right. it's a default slider. Oh, okay. That's right. What is the default genitalia slider? Now That's, I'm fascinated by that. Two inches. The idea of a default <laughs> genitalia. <laughs> the thing the thing is, I I just predict that a bunch of younger kids are gonna have the biggest penises and boobs in the world. Like they're just like elephantitis monstrous things that would not normally fit in shirts and pants. And then there are gonna be these other people who are going to make just these ridiculous shapes and like lopsided ones. And then there are going to be this small sect, very small sect of just logical, reasonable people that are like pull out a ruler as they're like in real life. And they're like, Oh, 5.2 inches. Uh, Let's get that as close as possible. Mine's leaning a little bit left. So let's make sure add that little J curve, just that ever so slight J curve. And they're, they're going to make it very realistic. And then, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, that 5.2 inches came to your head rather fast. Is there any reason for that? Because there's a measuring tape on his desk. Hmm. <laughs> the, de- the desk that I don't currently have, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's, the, that's about the right You're just trying to help you out, though. <laughs> Guys, can we make an agreement here right now that uh, all of us will record us uh, editing our genitals in cyberpunk so we can edit it into a video oh, yes. to show everyone? <laughs> I, I'm sure you know, if we post that... that we're, what Born I can up. do is I can actually video edit that to phase them in and out of each other. So it's like you can see our average penis. <laughs> yeah, we're mm-hmm. we're we're working like so Morgan's sitting there feverishly working and then I'll fade it into Rich feverishly working and it'll be a montage. Mm-hmm. And just for that, that I want mine to just be Shea like default. Pressing A. <laughs> Well, that's what just I'll do. <laughs> I'll, I'll look at the screen. I just moved uh, the girth slider all the way up and hit accept. You oh, want a chode. Chode. Yeah. Oil can for days. A jinx. Chode jinx. All right. Um, Yo, me a jinx. Yo, me a Oh, you a chode? Chode, chode jinx. Uh, it's funny. You know, a bunch of children and me, of course, will be making giant penises. I'm Nicole Rose left a comment that said, I'm going to have a 10-inch penis like I've always dreamed about. So congrats to her for that. Um me too. Uh, Max Pantera said, "If Morgan didn't pre-order this already, he has now." You know, the reason I haven't pre-ordered is because I'm still just scared it's not going to come out on time. I just have a fear. Um, maybe now we're a little bit more in the clear for releases, but I won't believe it until I see it. I just don't pre-order things. Yeah, yeah, I don't really either, to be honest with you. Well, actually, usually like the day before, like the night before, just so I preload it and have it ready to play at like. 10 p.m. I mean, or whatever. If I want physical, I'll pre-order it on Amazon like three days before just to make sure it ships on time. But that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, Josh, uh, Joshua Fowler joining us here from Michigan, of course. Uh, Josh, the Reverend Rock and Roll said his character is going to be an absolute spectacle. So uh, what is your character going to have, Josh? What is your genitalia? What are you going to do? I haven't figured that out yet because they said customizable, but like, what does that mean? What yeah, does that mean? what does that mean? Like, is a slider for length? Yeah, like, because like they were talking about how many options they have, but are they counting each tick on the slider as like it's yeah? We, well, we and, won't and know like, until yeah. we actually 
Josh, no, here's what I imagine. I imagine it's three sliders. Length, girth, vascularity. Hmm. Well, and then, of course, you got to think about the different kinds of... And then we'll have the one vagina make, there, you know? of course. Yeah, well, Because video yeah. games. Same sliders. We, we can't animate enough. all of that. We put all our money into dicks. We invested in dicks. Mm-hmm. I, as, as long as I can attach a small boob to the end of my dick, I'm happy. Does everybody's penis not have a nibble? <laughs> I just want, like, instead of a urethra <laughs> hole, what? I just want a nipple. Did huh. you say, does your waist penis not have a nipple? Is that a sentence that you said? I said, does everybody's penis not have a nipple? Oh, okay. I thought you said your waist penis. I definitely thought he said your waist penis as well. And I was like, I I think he's just rolling with the 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 genitalia. No, that painted um, for me a second penis, like a few inches above the first one. (laughs) It's a higher. You guys didn't get your belly button altered to have another penis growing out of your stomach? That sounds awful. I, I feel like I need to. It's like that um, fallout perk that increases your accuracy. Um, I don't know. What are those? That, no, there's we, the you need part. a third one on your hip to triangulate where the vagina it's is. The picture, it's the picture where, like, Vault Boy has another arm coming out of his belly button. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. you unlock for uh, exposing yourself to enough radiation. That's true. <laughs> oh, man. Um, it's That is... Uh, just, I like well, Josh, Morgan. I like how you act like you're overwhelmed with this conversation, and you're the one who started it. You're like, "Oh man, oh Jesus, I can't believe it went here." I asked about penises. Oh my god, I, I, how I could this I'm, have not gone to plan? I'm not. Oh, I wouldn't say I'm overwhelmed with the conversation. I'm overwhelmed with the joy that this is bringing me, and uh, the thought of having this in a game finally. Um, that's what I'm overwhelmed with. I'm thinking about how finally. I can't think. Finally, I mean, we'll be right back after the break because somebody didn't play Cobra Club. Well, I didn't play. No, is Any will now? Genitalia and Cobra Club. That's the whole. That. That's the point of that's, the game. That's the whole game. I'm I'm just straight hmm. up disappointed right now that we gave you the greatest gift that you've ever received, and genitalia customization is bringing you more joy today than that. Well, that was actually the next part of my intro. Uh, Morgan, did you never, did you never that's play why Genital I said Jousting? it. I knew that's exactly where you were going to go. That's how well I know you. Look, I mean, come on. It, it is great. I just want to know everyone's... Ge- Look, for me, I know I'm paralyzed by these things. And I don't want to... I'm going to wait for this game to come out forever. And I want to sit there on the genitalia slider screen for three hours and not play the fucking game. So I got to play on this out. I'm thinking I go I go super small, right? Maybe a micro penis and I make a, a, a something small, right? And then my character has to compensate with it with with you know because there's dating in the game so maybe i have to be really good at other things charisma um pussy eating whatever it has to you know i have to really compensate in other ways to make up for the the smaller penis so i, I wonder if they're so like real life well not even that this is like obviously a power fantasy for him yeah so like imagine a world <laughs> what, where what if could i could overcome yes yes well that's what games are for right they give you that that feeling of overcoming and not me my life is great it's it's more powerful <laughs> than doom um, but yeah, no, uh, what Shay was alluding to, by the way, yeah, I'm, I'm Morgan here from Montana, General Mountain Time. Yeah, I got, it's pretty awesome. If you're all, if you saw on the Instagram today, Arthur Morgan graced us with his presence, uh, and told me happy birthday. And it was, it, it was one of those cameo things. Um, and I'm not going to lie. I know it's a parlor trick, but I feel like we're friends now. I feel like me and Arthur Morgan are friends. <laughs> what's, what's uh, his real name, by the way, the, the voice actor? 
Uh, he, um, holy crap. Sorry. Can we I edit the it. Jeopardy music in here? Uh, hold on. Hold on. I do know it. Uh, ding, 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 ding. Oh, you're looking at your phone, huh? His name is Roger Clark. I'm ashamed of you. I know Rolling that. Grog. I know I that. Just, I just had a brain fart. I know uh-huh. it's Roger Clark. Mm, that's a lie. That's a that's lie. True. I do. Admit I it. Know. Admit it. I knew more about Red Dead 2 than you did And one thing. I Where mean, were you on the not... night of the 16th? <laughs> that's not going to make me unhappy, Shay. If you, if you, if you want that, sure. I, I don't want you to be unhappy. I want you to just admit it. <laughs> yes, I did in that moment Thank forget you. his Thank name. You're right. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I want you to admit that you Jeez. want him to be unhappy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> let's, not, let's not sugarcoat it here. All right. I just, you know, like all the times that Morgan gift gift aside, all the times that Morgan has ever given me shit for not knowing the names of things or forgetting things. Ah, uh, he got me. I was just thinking about that genitalia, and I was, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're like, I can't wait to make a chode. Yeah. <laughs> I, I bet it's probably gonna be something more cyberpunky, like Rich was joking about, like a couple batteries mashed into a pile of meat with a, a with a lighter or something. You know what I mean? Like it's gonna be cyberpunk. That's what's cyberpunky to you? <laughs> I don't. I don't, well, You know what you could have, Morgan? I think I think I have a way to blend these two, and then we can move on to the actual topic. You're gonna customize your penis so every time it talks, Roger Clark's voice comes out. How often does his penis talk in the game? I don't know if you've seen a script. I haven't. Well, I guess we're going to find Every out time when it, it comes out. <laughs> That's an exclusive very, first look here. Yeah, Very different game than it's I got was like uh, anticipating. Six different selectable voices for your junk. <laughs> One every of them is Keith David. Every time Morgan successfully eliminates an enemy, his penis is just going to start singing, Happy birthday to you, like that video. <laughs> Uh, oh, it, I'm sorry, was, Roger Clark. Your video was amazing. Thank you. <laughs> it, it, no, it was an incredible gift. I, I was I was touched, and it made me feel like me and him, Roger Clark, are friends now. So, of course, if I don't know his name on the fly, I guess we can't really be friends. So, thanks a lot. Your casual acquaintances at best. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, that's so right, yeah, that you're. <laughs> that's right. The, next time, next time you forget a name, just introduce me to this person and then you'll get the name as a byproduct you'll be like hey this is my friend shay and i'll be like hey my name's shay what's your name and then you'll be like, oh yeah, that's right roger in your head and then they'll go yeah morgan what is my name you know what shay there's a fucked up like commentary on social media there because the first thing i thought of was his instagram handle rolling girl and i like i def- i thought of that because bef- i spent so much time on social media before i knew his name i thought of his instagram handle i was like god damn it uh, yeah people are just handles to you now huh <laughs> it's just everyone's just a just a, a screen name um people that sounds good headshot 69 420 kill kill <laughs> that guy sounds cool he's, he's just the rich meister um, you're just Professor Layton. I see you guys. You guys work pretty easily for me, though. Um, anyways, you're right. Uh, topic of the show. Let's let's get to it. Um, we actually have a, we're doing a long a Chomping After Dark episode for our patrons. So, by the way, if you sign up, you're going to get those episodes early. Chomping After Dark. It's our special tier of spoiler filled podcasts. And we're doing a Final Fantasy seven one. So if you want to hear all the spoilers we talk about, go to patreoncom slash sword chomp and uh, look for that. Special ten dollar extra podcast here, but the topic of the show today is North um, Norse mythology, and this is something that Shay brought up as being kind of interested in talking with us about. And 
I was digging around into a lot of different articles last night. I I like the whole Ragnarok being a metaphor for um, Christianity as well, because Christianity actually came in and killed off, you know, a lot of that uh, the mythology and religion for the Vikings. Um, as it does with a lot of other people's cultures. Yes, you could say that. I You, you could. You know, that'd be right. Kind of what Avatar is based off of, weirdly enough. Oh, I thought it was about uh, unobtainium. Full circle, guys. The worst named mineral in the world. <laughs> it's <laughs> cheap shot. That's a that's a low you, blow, Rich. Come you on, can't get it. It's unobtainable. Oh, really? I, I didn't quite get that. That's crazy. It's all becoming clear now. You guys are um, using that take. <laughs> anyways, yeah. So I and honestly, this is an interesting thing for me to talk with you guys about because this sort of. The rise, if you feel like there is, of Nordic culture, the general interest of it. When I message people on Instagram, I do find that a lot of people will mention they have, uh, more often than not, I do meet a lot of people that are very interested in uh, Nordic mythology. And I know some of you guys are as well. For me, it's never been something I've been familiar with or interested in. Not to make me sound like some sort of a uh, loser, but wow, you're really <laughs> some more lame asshole. Um, it's just not never been necessarily in my wheelhouse. So I think this should be a fun discussion. Obviously God of war. I think like Shay was saying in, in popular culture, I was, I was reading about it. We have seen some more like, um, well, obviously what's that guy's name? Neil. Is it Gail? Gaiman? Neil Gaiman. He has that really popular book that I was reading about that. Uh, yeah, he has many Gaiman. pretty popular that books. Really popular book. About Nordic mythology. Does he have Maybe. several about Nordic mythology? Uh, well, I mean, I assume you're talking about American gods, and it's a lot about more than just Nordic mythology. It's kind of about mythology in general. Um, yeah, so American gods, yeah, and that was turned into, a, I guess, a somewhat popular TV show as well. Um, no, he has a, 27, a 2017 book called Norse Mythology. So I don't think I've actually read that. <laughs> it's just straight up Norse mythology. That's straight up. Um, but yes, um, what you're referring to is another one. And of course... They were talking about a lot of the shows like Vikings that are popular. God of War was a massive hit. People do seem to have a fascination um, with that that world. So Shay, I, I will I want to give you the the starting platform here because let's say I, I opened it up to questions from the audience, and one of our skeptical um, fans and friends, Dano three twenty two, said. Is it so hot? God of War and this make two games, and God of War came out in twenty eighteen. So Shay, lay it down. I absolutely think it's become more popular recently. Uh, you can look at some of the older games that have come out throughout the years, and I'm not going to list all of them. I'll list a few of them. Uh, Two Human had some Norse mythology in there. We had some Viking Battle for Asgard. We had some Dark Age of Camelot. And we had the Heimdall series, which was this very old series that came out for the MSDOS and Atari S2 which was later uh, re-released for Sega CD. And there were a ton of games that kind of did it, but um, throughout time, it's been kind of interspersed in gaming history. But recently, I think with Thor becoming really popular um, with the Marvel movies, that we've seen kind of a bigger influx. And like you had said, the Vikings TV show was another uh, big uptick in the popularity of Norse mythology. And we've seen it in a lot of games recently. I had mentioned uh, privately Jotun, 
I believe that's the pronunciation. Yeah, I think uh, you're which, right on that. Which was the indie game that came out in 2015. We have Hellblade, Senua's Sacrifice, which came out in 2017. We we had, um, there are some other games as well. I'm not uh, like The Banner not Saga series. Anything about Hellblade, yeah, one. that's true. Hellblade exactly. was another. Well, you're, I'm, I'm looking for things that are a little more. I don't, I'm not saying like things that I enjoyed more, but things that made a little bit more of an impact. I think like, Hellblade made a pretty huge impact. It made a massive. I mean, like, where's you... Banner Saga? The other. Oh, the other oh, Banner Saga has its audience. There, there are three games that were incredibly popular. It recently, all three of them got ported to the Switch. Uh, well, I, I mean, you're not. That, but yeah, when you you're say not, it has its audience. That's still. It has a pretty big audience. Okay. Uh, uh, you don't play a lot of tactics games, so I wouldn't. I, it's not something I would expect you to play. But it, it Battersog is very popular. Well, I, th- I that's fair. That's fair. I I will trust you on that. I th- I play more tactical games than you might think. Um, I mean, Fire Emblem was my runner-up last year, and Into the Breach was my. And those come out every games, twenty years. The two games we knew he was gonna list: Fire Emblem and Into the Breach. Boom, 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 baby. <laughs> no, that's a boom, boom, not a boom, boom, boom. You're <laughs> missing a third for the third boom, but. Oh, so no, th- then um, I'll say Fire Emblem withholding more of the heavy RPG. Um, tactics like Into the Breach, fantastic tactics games. I I agree with you, but it's more of a cut and dry one. You know what I mean? Yeah. And one one game that like I wanted to play that I don't have the computer to be able to handle it. Pray for the Gods came out last year, and that was basically a more Norse mythology driven uh, Shadow of the Colossus as well. That was a game that was rumored to be released for years. I believe it's still in early access as of right now. I could be wrong. Yeah, on that. it's still have... still not out. In I know the, the early uh, access yeah, finished, has been finished released. version. Yeah, but I I think that it's just really permeated the culture recently, and I think that it's super important because there's a very very deep story there that, um, you know, gets kind of overshadowed by Greek and Roman mythology. If you look at Norse mythology, it was so big in um in a lot of the Scandinavian area. And like you had said, when Christianity um, started basically flooding from country to country and it was basically imposed upon all these countries, it had a lot of negative effects. And uh, Norse mythology was a big one. And I know because I am a fan of black metal as well that in the 90s, I don't know, you guys were, we were all very young when this happened. Rich, you may have not even been born during this time, but like the late 80, 80s, early 90s, there were a bunch of church burnings happening in Scandinavian countries and a little bit in the U.S. as well. And the ones that were happening in Norway predominantly were because these churches were basically on... uh old Norse burial grounds and sacred grounds. So they were burning these churches to basically kind of take back their heritage and take back the um, Nordic ways. And so there's a huge, huge, incredible story there to tell. And for me, I'm just honestly very, very happy because I'm a big fan of mythology. I'm super happy that uh, this is kind of becoming a more popular thing in culture and especially gaming culture, because there's a big story there to tell. So to be honest with you, um, seeing Assassin's Creed Valhalla specifically, I know that's not all we're talking about here. I'm very excited for that game because 
I think one thing that Assassin, Assassin's Creed has always done well is relay some of that history and explore it in its own way. Obviously, it's not a one-to-one translation. It definitely takes a lot of liberties there, but it opens up that interest for people to research it, um, to research what um, epoch or time period that this is taking place at. Also worth noting, Shay, the last two games, specifically Origins and Odyssey, introduced those sort of uh, guided tour museum modes yeah. where uh, you can just kind of like teleport through landmarks on the map and it'll basically like tell you about the uh, the, the real world site that like you're they're on. they're leaning into that. Okay. Yeah, like, that's really They cool. basically put educational tools in those games. Like, <laughs> I like, like Legitimately, I, yeah. I like that because like Fallout 4 even though it was one of the weaker recent Fallout games, one thing I really liked about it is when you're wandering around in downtown Boston, they tried to do their best to make it one-to-one, and they even had some historical insight there in Fallout 4. So I've technically never been to Boston, always wanted to go. Felt like I learned a little bit about it. I fucking love Boston, man. Yeah. Um, Let me say this. How do you guys feel about this come, by the way? And... uh... If I find an interesting comment, I'm going to try and read it. If it's especially if it sticks out as being a little different, uh, T. Sweezy said, "I can't wait for the new YA novel to make a different kind of mythology trendy without giving any money to the people that uh, from the culture that created it." Well, the no- the Nords already have one of those, so I don't know who's up next. Um, hmm. I don't. The, the Egyptians definitely got that already. Well, we'll think of something. I, man, that's such a dangerous ground to kind of tread there because on one side you have basically um, people trying to draw interest into that. For example, if I really enjoyed Harry Potter to the degree of I really enjoyed like magic and wizardry, I it could be in a way a vessel to look at a Wiccan lifestyle, if you want to look at it that way. And is it exploitative of Wiccan uh, spirituality? Mm. I mean, at that point, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm, not the, I'm not the arbiter of I any of those I think it depends on how serious your interest actually becomes, because I don't want to get, like, gatekeepy about anything, just because you're, the re- thing that got you interested in something is a little bit like a hokey version of it. I don't think that necessarily means you can't take a genuine interest in it. Right, and that's that yeah. was kind of, yeah, that's kind of where I was going, is, like, on one side of the fence, you have people who are using it as a vessel to tell a story, but also to draw interest into that, because they themselves are interested. But at the opposite end of the spectrum, you have people who are being exploitative with some of those things. And I think that's what that comment is geared towards. And it's it's very easy to, I think, look at everything that does that and look at it at face value. And you're like, oh, it's exploitative. Um, I'm going to gatekeep it. And I think that's at some point and some level, you're kind of, kind of your duty, like... If there's something that you are kind of concerned with that, you go and you listen to author or uh, developer interviews and see kind of their reasoning. Oh, we wanted to put it in a Norse mythology area because um, I myself went to college and I took multiple classes on Norse mythology. And this has always been a passion project of mine. Okay, cool. This person's not trying to exploit this they're trying to basically pay homage to it and i think that's 
why kind of current culture is so dangerous and especially gatekeeping, because if you do that, you're going to prevent people from paying homage to the things they love because other people are going to label it and categorize it as being exploitative, essentially, or I, appropriation um, in some ways. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, for sure. Ignatz82 said, it's a lot better than the zombie World War II pirate ninja post-apocalyptic crazes we've gone through. At least this way we can have a little more fantasy. Like with Origins and Odyssey. Um, I will say this. Regardless of how much the, the series has changed, because I haven't played in a long time, I think the reason they're doing this is to pull in people like Shay, because there's a lot of people that are hot on this sort of, t- you know, this topic, as Shay would allude to right now. They, you know, the beards and, and the dragons of, of the God of Wars of sorts. And, you know, Shay hasn't touched an Assassin's Creed game in a long time. Doesn't mean he's never been interested in him. He just hasn't been. Um, you know, compelled to jump into one. And yet he sees this and he's really excited about it because that is something he's interested in. And I think that they, I I think it's in the middle of what you're saying, Shay. I think it is something a lot of people are interested in, but I think the reason why this is still so fertile ground is because there hasn't been, it's not oversaturated yet in our medium. Like a lot of stuff, there's still a lot of uh, oil left to, uh, to mine, if you will. No, what a fun um, metaphor. Yeah. (laughs) I thought you were going to say a lot of oil left to burn, but we'll go with mine. Speaking of you. Because I I know I get my pickaxe out and mine oil. Drill. Sorry. Let's go drill. Yeah, there you go. No, I I get what you're saying. And no, I agree with you. I I think like, I think back to like the mid to late 2000s when the whole zombie craze really started taking off (laughs) and just how much, how there was so much oversaturation with zombies and same with like post-apocalyptic post-apocalyptia at the end of the 2000s early 2010s there was Mm -hmm. a ton of post-apocalyptia and i think that we're going to see start to see a greater um surge of nordic mythology being placed into medium or media excuse me and I'm excited for that. I'm excited because I think there are going to be a lot of cool things that come out as a result. Like, of course, I you guys know I absolutely loved Hellblade, so I'm ecstatic for Hellblade 2. I'm ecstatic for this game. I'm ecstatic for God of War 2 because I actually I really like the first uh, 2018's God of War. But I also am very, very conscientious of there's the real possibility that basically we get an oversaturation like we do with everything else. So it'll be interesting. I, I just, yeah, the oversaturation yeah. will come eventually, but yeah, but when, <laughs> um, as of now, years from now. yeah, I know. Right. Josh, I know you've been kind of quiet here. What about this? Let me bounce this question off you. Gil Beasy, one of our friends and patrons said, this is interesting too. In his opinion, mythology seems to be the focus because they're clearly taking their inspiration from t- the TV series like uh, a TV series like Vikings and not history, which is fine since it's their game. But I hope they don't pass it off as educational like they did with Origins and Odyssey. The weapons, the armor, the hair, it's all what pop culture has told us Vikings were, not what yeah. Vikings actually were. Yeah, um, but that's kind of always been, again, I... Assassin's Creed has always been that. Like the the whole the premise of it is what if all the conspiracy theories were real? Um, which is fun on its face for sure. Yeah, which is which is interesting. Um but yeah, it is it is a little strange cuz the last ones have had those like, you know, combat free versions where you can walk around and see the places. Um 
which yeah like like you're saying is <sighs> leads to some issues uh, mm. with mm-hmm. with that because they're showing you what a place was like in in the HBO special um <laughs> so, but it's embellished yeah, yeah. um okay so yeah i'm i'm curious to see how they how they handle it but i'm not i'm not expecting i do i think well, it was strange that they did the whole educational thing granted i've not gone through and actually messed around with that mode yet so they may have references to all the nonsense like this is what we did but None of this is correct. But. There is, and, and as somebody who has looked at that stuff, and I looked at it with um a friend friend of mine who's a high school history teacher and has mm-hmm. actually used that stuff for lesson planning and stuff because students responded to having it in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, like you're walking around, and kind of the way they set it up for you is you're supposed to be getting the full experience, basically, from being like, hey, here's a physical representation of this building which is about as close as we can approximate it. And all the relevant information really comes in their huge text blocks, because Mm. as far as a lot of that stuff goes, they really do do their research. And like you said, it's the pumped up HBO special version where like, we need to make this more aesthetically interesting because it's a fucking video game. But as far as like, if you really want to dig in, the information is there should you want it. I Yeah, I think that's a tricky part. Like, if someone like me, I don't know what's embellished or what's not. So, like, as long as I don't go in there expecting it to be, and I don't because it's a video game, but as long, I think it's probably more, I think these games, maybe the, one of the reasons why I've fallen a little off of Assassin's Creed is because I feel like they're almost a little more interesting for people that are, like, historical nerds. Like, they really enjoy, because you get to see them, like, warp history in fun ways. That is I imagine that's where I came to that series from, like, even back in the day like being really interested in history and stuff kind of pushed that whole interest in my favor even when it gets downright silly and one of the things i liked more so about origins and odyssey is while all that stuff is there they also started to embrace the silly even more so because they finally realized our like subtext plot is about how the gods were real and they're this advanced civilization from the past Mm -hmm. so why shouldn't Cassandra actually fight a fucking Minotaur. Like, why the fuck not? Mm-hmm. Don't you guys feel a little bit like, and this just briefly, that they're... I guess I don't blame them because if they have something they're excited about making and they can make it in the vein of these Assassin's Creed games, but at some point, doesn't it seem like they just really want to make a Nordic mythology game and the Assassin's Creed is just the easiest way to get people mm-hmm. to try it out? That's kind of... Well, yeah, you use the established brand, and that's kind of always what Assassin's Creed's been. It's been this, we can set it whenever because we have this weird framing device. Uh, um, but do you think it kind of waters down the appeal of what people once loved about Assassin's Creed? Not to me. I think the series has reinvented itself enough. Uh, like, Origins completely changed what the series was, and it's way more of a, a deep RPG now. Um, it's basically a Witcher game. Was there even point. a Hidden Blade in the last one? Yeah. Uh, well, actually, okay. no, I'm sorry, Odyssey... It's not a hidden blade because of what it's set. Like yeah. the first blade is an expansion. You have the a broken piece yeah, of the spear, spear of Leonidas. Yeah. yeah, that you're using in that context, but it's not fastened to your wrist. My my biggest regret is never playing Black Flag because that one looked really good. It's one of my favorites. Um, I I actually wanted to bring this up to you, Morgan, because it's interesting. Actually, in the vein of this, like watching that trailer, which Ubisoft knows how to cut these trailers really well. Um, I was talking to a friend about this. And we were even saying, and it made me think of what you always say, uh, Morgan, about the uh, 
the impact of like E3 and all that, like the magic of it. And he was saying, just think if like this were a game that was revealed at E3, because it would just be thrown into a sizzle reel in Ubisoft's presentation. And you wouldn't know it was an Assassin's Creed game until that last shot when he pulls the hidden blade on that guy. <sighs> yeah. And like, those are the kind of moments you don't get without E3. And I'm like, eh, that's, that's a pretty good point. That's you know, one that's thing. true because everyone knew it was an Assassin's Creed trailer when they went to watch it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's one thing I'm actually really thankful for the series and that's has me interested in getting back in is I felt like they were kind of so stuck in their ways for so many games of just having the cloaked guy with the hidden dagger or the cloaked woman with the hidden dagger. And it was like, no matter what era they were in, they were wearing or what time period, what location they were wearing the same shit. And I get it to like, blend in but right. accomplishing the opposite. Right, exactly. And it felt so rigid in what they were white. doing. And it's like all ninja. Right. And well, I, so, some of the later ones, they started changing the colors on them. I believe Syndicate and Unity, they started changing. Yeah. Um, but even that, it just felt so rigid. And then the the Outer world story just started getting like ridiculous. And I felt less and less interested. And I felt I felt kind of bad because like you play the the first and the second game and that Outer world experience, it was a vessel to basically get you inside of the quote unquote simulation and they did it well enough to where you didn't need a ton of context and because these games have been going on for so long they kind of painted themselves into this hole of having to do a very specific thing so um yeah again not to talk too much about this i i know that's predominantly what the conversation is going to be about because that's where most of the hype is and that's kind of what inspired the topic but i'm just very thankful that they've kind of somewhat broken apart from that and they have focused more on you know not being so rigid with the rules that they originally set out. And I think that allows for them to explore more interesting time periods and do it in more interesting ways. Because like you guys just said, had you seen that trailer and not known it was an Assassin's Creed game right away, you wouldn't have known. Like, and I know that's a silly statement to make, but you look at that trailer and you think about the, where Assassin's Creed was 10 years ago it's very, very contradictory to what they kind of set out. And I think that's what's so exciting about this. And that's why I'm excited for them to explore just the Norse mythology or uh, the, Nordic, the Nordic aspect to this. And I think that it's going to continue to allow Norse mythology to flourish in different mediums. Yeah. I'm really excited to pillage the UK. <laughs> um... Uh, one final comment here. Me and Dean Richards said, really hyped for this game, mainly the fact they've described the combat as visceral. One of the biggest critiques was the lack of dismemberment in the games. Norse mythology is always interesting to me, especially when done right, like God of War, but that one-minute gameplay trailer was a waste of time, barely showed anything at all. Um, a lot of people complained about that, but I did not see the one-minute gameplay trailer. That was upsetting. But hey, better than zero minutes, am I right? Yeah, it really depends on what the minute shows. <laughs> it's It's true. It's the quality of the, the minute. Um, Is no, that what you tell your wife? Yes. <laughs> Boom. Just, I'll, 
you jumped in on my joke too quickly for me. Um, I, I as far as getting back to the larger topic though, and and yes, this should be interesting. I think um, for me, I'm kind of like in the center. I remember I I did not think I was just having one of those weird days last week, and I threw this post up and ended up being like the biggest post in three months, and I do not know why. I was just having one of those weird days, and uh, it, when the Assassin's Creed of Valhalla was announced, and it was that meme going around of him using the hidden blade and then Leonardo DiCaprio underneath pointing with his beer from um, the new Quentin Tarantino film. Uh, Once Holly. Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. and But it the meme is not the important part. And I was just like, not to uh, denigrate or throw shade on Assassin's Creed Valhalla, but it seems like Ubisoft's recent marketing strategy for the franchise is just grab a random time period and give a protagonist a hidden blade. No, And that thing really took off. I was like, damn, I didn't, I didn't mean it to be that sort of cynical sounding. That's just sort of on the outside how it felt. And I could be very wrong. Um, well, it seems strange that you're noticing it now after 12 games. I noticed it on two. When when I said recent years, I meant like two thousand two, like maybe the past three ish games or so. This millennium. Did you mean? Did you mean nine? So there's a dude. There is a lot of them. I whenever they start jumping to uh, was it the Egypt and then Odyssey and then uh, Black Flag. Literally the last two games. <laughs> yes, that's what I mean. Like the last ones were when I really thought because before, like even with like Unity and stuff, it still seemed kind of in the vein of what they were. Because you know what I mean, like where it was sort of like how because <sighs> it was white and European. Yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> but then again, three was completely different, actually. Um, that was, and wasn't three re- received with like mixed um, uh, emotions because it three was set is bad. In. Three is bad. Wow, that's a hot take. Because Connor is a fucking, he's a piece of fucking cardboard. Yeah, it's you know what's funny is I loved two so oh, much. Josh I, has a look. <laughs> I Sorry, absolutely loved two, and I remember when they announced three, and I was still fairly excited for it. I think that. There is an interesting story to like that whole time period, like the Revolutionary War. Totally. Um, I think it's super interesting, but I, my first thought is, you know, Assassin's Creed is so much about jumping off of buildings and, you know, doing these cool aerial tricks. And I was like, there's nowhere in the colonial US that you're going to be doing that. And it was really cool because it was more nature driven than I thought it was going to be. And there were there were a lot of things there that had potential. It just didn't come together. And you're absolutely right. Connor was such. I hate saying this is such a boring protagonist. And I I hate saying that because I felt like that story could have been such an interesting vessel vessel for um, telling the story uh, story of Native Americans. And I felt like that's originally what it was going to be about. And he's not so that, underutilized. It was so underutilized. And it to be honest with you, I I never finished the game. And throughout the years, I've kind of been like, ah, maybe someday I should just finish my 360 copy, but I just I can't be bothered to do it because they I felt like they just didn't utilize the potential for that story, the setting and the character that they had created well enough and yeah at that point that that series really started to become for me a cloaked guy with a hidden blade and i really fell off hard after that and it happens so it's cool that it's cool that they 
have finally put it in a setting. Granted, Odyssey and Origins both looked awesome, but Norse mythology really draws me in, so I'm excited for that. Jo- Josh, were you leaning in because you were going to jump in and say that you like Assassin's Creed 3 and we're all idiots? No, no, I don't think I don't think anyone's unreasonable enough to try to make that argument. Um <laughs> I've never played it. Otherwise, I would love to. It um, (laughs) seems like something I would fall right into there. It's. Um, I I honestly don't think you'd like it, Morgan. I think this. It's got the weirdest problems with the storytelling. My biggest complaint about Connor is I always tell people when I think back to that game is Connor does start to get really interesting, and then five minutes later, the credits roll. Wow. Like yeah, that's a that's a bummer. He goes on his most interesting character arc during the last mission. Uh, yeah all right well i respect that um i was just seeing if there's any like really really funny comments to go anyways as far as like the larger topic as we come to a close here i i was thinking a lot about it and i don't really know i know with the rise of like skyrim and game of thrones our culture came became really just enamored with you know dragons and warriors and beards and i know that's always kind of been there but it really hit a a nice fertile growing spot and this i think the nordic mythology fits right in there because it's the same kind of vibe but it just hasn't been explored as much and so i think that people are just looking for different pockets that's the only theory i really have for for the general enthusiasm i think there's some validity to that i i think that was kind of always when we were younger the biggest draw for assassin's creed we're like where's it going to be next is it going to be in uh you know japan during the feudal times is it going to be in china is it going to be like that that's a big draw there i think nope. that it'll be in florence six times i thought you were going to say florida and i was like <laughs> that bitch that Carol, game. <laughs> Carol baskins florida man the ultimate assassin oh yay shay dropped a Carol or baskins in there i'm so happy yeah um <laughs> He's like, damn it. Oh, Jack- Joe Exotic is an assassin. <laughs> this one's pretty great. Jack Marshall. That game would sell like a gangbusters right now. God. Oh my God. It really would. would. Jack Marshall um, RHS said, I've got a friend at UB Montreal who does initial character design, and he was working on this game years ago. They've been playing this for a while, and according to him, there's a very definite story being told with these time periods. We just can't see yet, but it started with Origins. Huh. Oh, that's interesting. If you're too, that's an interesting. Uh, well, Morgan, I'll that, tell that's you. That's a comment right there. That's a those thing. origins and um, Odyssey do, like in the Desmond days, share a sort of newer, more nuanced framing device. Like much in the way we had Desmond, they okay. do. They do have the same protagonist. Where the other games were doing this weird first-person stuff, where they kind of didn't want to tell you who you were because it. Why should they try that hard? Um. And they they change that with Origins, and they are... You gotta dig into a lot of emails to really get the bulk of it, but that could Mm -hmm. be said of the first Assassin's Creed as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And you just gotta hope they don't do what they did with AC3, which is really butcher Desmond's story while they were telling a boring one with Connor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's And that's, you know, for people that have been... I will say this. I know Assassin's Creed is very popular, and this seems like a dream come true because of... If I think about why people love God of War, like Shay's sort of theory about the rise of Nordic mythology and and um, how popular Assassin's Creed is, this seems like a dream come true to sell bazillions of units. Um, and that's, you know, how could, this is the same, it looks like a home run. You can't. What could possibly can't, go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? 
<sighs> I'm, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, this is, I think this is a good one to end it all on. Ben Kim said, they end it all, everything, the whole, everything's going after this. Um, uh, ben yeah, B. I Kim, don't know if you guys know this, this is actually the final Chompcast episode we're ever going to be doing. We're going to be transitioning, actually. Uh, Morgan kind of teased it a little bit early, but best to announce it now. Um, yeah, we're going to be transitioning to our Gas Station Philosophy podcast. Uh, this feed is going to become four guys talking out of our asses, uh, which is somehow different than what we've been normally doing. It's going to suck so hard. That's going to be the first episode. <laughs> what does suck so hard mean? Hmm. Really it comes, depends on your perspective and where that's, you're at in your walk of life. That's right. A philo- really- a pseudo philosophical <laughs> podcast where Morgan say can say he thinks about things philosophically for twenty some odd times. Morgan, may I, I never- say that lighting isn't doing your hairline any favors? Well, uh, <laughs> philosophically speaking, Rich. <laughs> Does lighting ever do any of us okay? It's less the lighting um, than the blur my background that always just doesn't try with the, the fuzz. Now. Um, I that you just got me thinking about why I always been kind of irritated that they call it uh, sucking dick because you're not really sucking. Not a lot of sucking. That's going that's on. that's led to a lot of heartache and confusion. <laughs> I think sorry, blowing is, I think blowing is even <laughs> worse though. Blowing is well, even yeah. worse. Again, blowjob. Yeah, well, that's how you again, start getting misleading. started. You just <sighs> yeah. If if my dick's you, you wet, gotta, and you're you gotta on blow it, the lint like off it, of there you know? first. <laughs> in, in Morgan's case, it's definitely. It's like uh, gym equipment. You should really leave it how you found it. Actually, is more more so. Instead of Morgan, that would be Fish's case. I wish he was here so we could roast him for this one. <laughs> Fucking a sock. You gotta blow the lint off of that. So I take a bunch of rice pudding. I always stick with fellatio. That's my go-to term. Um, it just sounds nice. All right, so, yeah, I think it was a good Alas. melding of... Poor fellatio. <laughs> <sighs> he was a good dog. <laughs> fellatio, son of Horatio. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think I think there's something to that, and for people to kind of chew on, and it's a nice blending to the Assassin's Creed announcement as well, and um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, by the way, again, if you enjoy the show, and you, we brighten your, your life in any way, shape, or form, you can brighten ours by dropping us a couple bucks over at Patreon.com/SwordChomp. One dollar, two dollars, five dollars, whatever you want. Um, hell, you can just go look at the tiers and and not pay us anything. That's okay too. But if you want, go to Patreon.com/SwordChomp, and uh, there's a, our five dollar tier is the one I promote the most because it's a really cool tier that we have. You can be a VIP patron, or basically, for five dollars you get access to a top secret Instagram page. Which, if you go to today, you can actually watch my live reaction to that Arthur Morgan video um, that the crew got me. Uh, which is which is very cute, and then uh, I have rare pictures of Josh because you can't find pictures of Josh anywhere in the world except there. That's actually the only place on the internet, um, except the dark web. So uh, special clips that sort of point to inside jokes we reference, fan creations. It's it's a community, and you get access to our Discord as well. Uh, for being oh, a part I'll of give that. you access, and. Shoutouts on the show once a month at the beginning of the podcast. We shout out to patrons. <gasps> $5 get all. It's kind of nuts. So, and, and it helps us stay afloat. So, patreon.com slash switch up. 
Um, we do have a couple games to discuss this week before our poll hilarity ensues. And the first one involves... Uh, let's get right to it. Let's get to some fighting. This should be fun. Uh, literally. Um, and <laughs> in many ways. Uh, Streets of Rage 4. Um, it was released. Not like a huge release, but big enough, I think, to warrant attention because... We all grew up with, well, I'd say a lot of us grew up with Streets of Rage. If you didn't have it on your Genesis, you probably played it in an arcade at some point. Um, we all have sort of those, be- even I do, have those beat-em-up memories of throwing a couple quarters into Streets of Rage. You know, when I was a kid, we couldn't afford Streets of Rage, so we would rage in the actual streets. Mm. Was that, <laughs> that explains a lot. Yeah, was that more probably more fun than Streets of Rage, I would imagine. I mean, drinking MD 2020 when you're 12 years way. old really gets you fucked up. <laughs> we used to do so much Zambo. LSD. Sorry, I no Zambos. What's our new catchphrase now? Um, uh, wiggity Zimbo. That's my catchphrase. <laughs> Say it all the time. I can't I remember. I can't that remember the, the new one that I made up. So it apparently didn't catch on. <laughs> we gotta, we gotta, we gotta workshop some catchphrases. I'm still a fan of Zambo. It's got great li- Zambo. Zambo, dude. Zambo is timeless. Zambo is timeless. Words you never thought you'd ever hear, and when you hear them, you probably don't understand why. Um, So Streets of Rage 4 dropped, and yes, if you've played Streets of Rage in any capacity, then you're probably interested in this discussion. This week in our private chat, there were some interesting words going around. Some fucking Um, shots fired. Mm -hmm. Some inconvenient truths for a few of you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, so you say. Wow, what a timely Uh, reference. Thank you, Al Gore. (laughs) Um, yeah, so Shay was on the show last week and, you know, threw his hat into the really loving the fuck out of the game. He beat it in an evening. He has a lot of memories, I know, with um, Sega Genesis and you lo- loved it. If you could recap, give us your 20 second recap of everything you said last week from your time before we get into this fight here, Shay. Yeah. Okay. Hold on just a second. <clears throat> uh, oh, 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 my God. Oh. Okay. I'd rather do that, too, but. I don't see the connection. I I thought it was just okay. (laughs) It was was just okay. No, um, and also, I can't believe I just did that. (laughs) Um, I'm surprised by myself right now. Um, No, I just thought that it was a really fun game. It was very faithful to the other three games in a lot of ways. And it's... To me, it's, yeah, if you like the originals, you're absolutely going to love this game. The art, uh, design choices were initially a little bit jarring and a little bit worrisome when I first watched the trailer. But as I played it, it makes sense in the current era of gaming and where we are at and the capabilities that we have. So that was pretty much where I, I was at. I pl- played it one time through, absolutely loved it. And um, yeah, that's that was my recap from last week. Okay. So Josh jumped into the chat and said, well, Josh, I'll let you speak for yourself. Um, I mean, Shay already kind of said it, and Rich also said it. It's Streets of Rage again. They've changed nothing. Um, in except for the art, which the art twenty five years. Um, it it is so slow and sluggish 
that it is it's it's painful it's just it's truly painful uh trying to get through uh they added a new character that uh is the fast one and they're still slower than any f- any fighter in a brawler that's come out in 10 years um it's oh i can't believe that nothing has changed that's the thing that's so strange and this is i know a lot of people who are fans of the series are going to like it because you can unlock the fighters from the older games that still work identically to how they did forever ago in the first game um because it still plays like it's that old um and those still look like the original pixelated models, right? When you they, unlock they do, the original. they do. Even in the new art which style, cool. they're still pixelated. Which, yeah, it is kind of cool that you can play as uh, the original Axel and then as blonde guy in Axel. jeans, <laughs> not not washed up looking Axel. It, it's mm-hmm. funny you say that though, Josh, because like the thing to me is like I'm fine with it feeling like an old game for the most part. But I feel like the thing that made me be like, fucking really, could be fixed if every character, not just Cherry, if every character could run. It's, yeah. 90% of my problems would be, like, vapid by comparison. Because, I mean, I don't think I would have done it. I I played it once, like, Shay, all the way through. And I don't think I would have done that if I weren't actually playing with three friends. And we were just like... Tonight's the night, we're going to get on, we're going to play through Streets of Rage, we're going to have some beers, we're going to hang out. And I was like, great, sounds like a plan. But I, yeah, I don't know I would have done that solo. I, I feel like a lot of those games, like the beat-em-ups for me, whenever I played it as well, if now we're getting to our opening salvos, I, I feel like they were more predicated on like the social atmosphere. You know, mm-hmm. Some of those games in the arcade in particular, if they were pretty thin... Um, like I, I played like an hour of this game and I did not enjoy myself at all. But I don't think it's a bad game. I agree with well, you. You're not I supposed suppose... to enjoy yourself. You're supposed to enjoy the game. Dummy. Uh, um, that was not I... the purpose of booting up the game. <laughs> you're not enjoyable. So I try how to could enjoy you... myself while I enjoy the game. Um, you're, you're supposed you know. to touch the controller, not yourself. Is what I'm trying to say. It, you you could pull. Don't it tell off me how to enjoy art well, easily they enough had to in ha- this game. There's there's only the two buttons. Yeah, it's and they have the characters. Well, there's, a, a, huge, there's a third button. You you can't jump. Huge but. boobs, and I was just like, all right, let me see what I can do here. Walk 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 walk. You can also it. pause it, so that's a whole other button. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. I'm beyond. I'm beyond oh. pausing, Rich. I've, I've elevated my game. Um, but the point I'm getting at is, it's just not. I for me, I was like, I the beat 'em up is not something I'm interested in, and I don't want to like try and critique this game because I don't I don't feel like I have enough um, sort of perspective on beat 'em ups or the genre or like once when I was first married, my ex wife told me she loved Streets of Rage. We got a Genesis and a copy and some beers and played it for an hour or two, and I remember. It was cool that she was happy, but I did not have a good time. Um, and the, the genre just doesn't hold a lot for me. But it sounds like, like it was so, more telling of your marriage than of Street uh, Rage. I know, <laughs> right? It, it well, actually that was a, that was a, one of the few good nights. Uh, um, but it, <laughs> but, but uh, <laughs> oh my god, it's one of the few nights where she didn't take me out in the street and beat the <laughs> shit out of me with a police baton. <laughs> she would yell "Streets of Rage" as she did it, which isn't a thing any of the characters in the game ever did. I got to use the belt that night, which was nice. Um, but it was one of those things where 
I just know the genre is not for me to have as far as analysis goes and playing this. I did think the music that I heard in that one hour was actually pretty nice, at least um, on the menu screen. <laughs> I thought it was some pretty nice music. I just, there's, there's nothing there for me at all. There's no story. There's no game. The gameplay is basically punch, punch, kick. I, from, I, it, there's just nothing for me and I don't want to bash the damn thing. Cause it's just, but I totally get why people Shay love it because he has such a reverence for Sega Genesis that um, I, I totally get that, and, and that's cool. Well, first off, I want to say that besides Rich, you two are dumb. Uh, you guys are very, very much just downplaying a lot of the things this game does. Uh, to your most recent point, Morgan, this game does a lot more than just kick and punch. There are different abilities that you can actually activate that are these special attacks, which yeah. are aerial attacks, they are ground attacks, and you can actually block in this game. And you also have specials <laughs> no, you that you can activate. Can you block? I heard you couldn't block. You can block. You absolutely I beat block. it without doing that. You absolutely can block in this game. You can so block. This game... You've got a special move that if you want to block, you damage yourself and... Oh, that. Yeah, that didn't count. Yes, but then you can recover that by you attacking can recover enemies. As long as none of the cheap enemies happens to hit you. Well, that's not my fault. You're not good at the game. That's your own fault. But moving on the from block that, there is a damages block in you. The game. You hit block and it damages you. That's just like real life. Like if someone punches you and you block it the block, you're not just magically hit, okay. It damages you whether they hit you or not. Okay, but you can still recover the health, right? Can it's... we talk about those biker ladies? Because they are the worst fucking. <laughs> well, hold on, hold on, yeah, hold are. on, hold on, hold on. I let you all talk. I sat here patiently and la- okay. let each and every one of you rip on this game. So, first they off, are the worst though. Like they are. Um, but the, the music, would, yeah, the music in this game is, of course, with the originals. The original soundtracks are phenomenal. So that has to be what's great about. Streets of Rage 4, that has to be one of the premier highlights of the games. And in this game, it's awesome because they didn't just have the original composer. They had three different composers working on it, and they had the head composer. I'm spacing his name right now. It's a very difficult French name. Um, but he, you know, worked with the original composer as well, and he kind of made these remixes of some of the original tracks and they have all the like they span all these different genres of music you know you have the very older um gaming music you have some rock elements in there you have um you have some kind of grunge in there you have all these different types of elements of music and it's phenomenal uh the the music is definitely the high highlight of the game um now next Josh, I gotta tell you you're wrong here. To say that absolutely nothing has changed is absolutely wrong. First off, um, yes, there you said there's one new character. There are actually two new characters. Well, I which was is awesome. Saying one new character that has the run is what I was saying. Oh, okay. Yeah, absolutely. That's fair. But yeah, there are two new characters. And the thing I love about this game, as compared to the original, um, and the original few games, you had different characters to use. And this was very, very prominent in the older style beat-em-up games that they didn't really feel that different. There'd be one quality that was different. If you look at 
the original Golden Axe, and you had the man, the woman, and the dwarf. The difference was how hard they hit, but it was kind of neg negligible, and the amount of magic, how powerful their magic was. In Streets of Rage, you had a character that one was faster than the other two, one was better at jumping than the other two, and one was more powerful than the other two. And it was a little bit noticeable, but it was never like overly noticeable in playstyle. Whereas I feel in this mm -hmm. game, each character is very good at something. So if you use Blaze, she's phenomenal at using um, small weapons like knives or the, what are the kukri? Is that what it's called? The little Ra um, Raphael Sai. sword. Sai? Okay, sorry. I don't want to say Kukri. Sai. That like she's really good with using those kind of weapons. Or you have um Cherry, obviously, where you guys have already alluded to, she can run. Um, she's a very nimble character. Each character feels vastly, vastly different from each other, and I like that a lot. On top of that, those special moves that they can use, granted, Josh, I, I agree with you that they do take some health away and it can be a little bit annoying at times but i think that all adds to the strategy of planning out when to use those moves and to be good at the game you know beat em ups were never easy and if you could just block everything without any repercussions the game would be too easy at that point and you know that you guys are gonna laugh about this one but something i thought was really cool in the original games for your health pickups it was always an apple for partial health or the chicken for full health if you actually go into the menu you can actually change to multiple food items so it if you want to eat salad instead of chicken you absolutely can or if you want to eat pizza and i know that's silly i'm glad there's a vegan option mm -hmm. right absolutely <laughs> but i mean i think it's like those those little those little things that you can customize that just make the game that much more fun and interesting. Now I'm going to say two more things and then I will let you guys jump in here. Cause I'm saying a ton, but I'm obviously the most passionate and this is probably where I'm going to talk the most in this episode. I will agree with you guys that the running or lack thereof feels extremely cumbersome. Uh, Cherry is the best character to play in the game because of that exact reason. Um, I, you know, there are periods in my life where I will just go back and play like old Genesis games cause they're comfort food and streets of rage is one that I will constantly go back to. If like I have a down day and I just don't feel like doing anything, I'll turn streets of rage on and <clears throat> on the Xbox one or PS4, if you have that Genesis collection, um, it's, it kind of runs as an emulator where you can actually speed things up a little bit. So as you're walking from left to right in the original three streets of rage games when nothing's happening you can fast forward that and i i did find myself keep trying to fast forward to no avail uh certain parts as you're walking from left to right there's a lot of dead space there and i think part of that is to make the game probably feel a little bit longer and also to keep it true to the original i think that games have moved past that and i think that this series would have benefited from doing something like that. I think about Castle Crashers, where the Castle Crashers is, to me, one of the best uh, beat-em-up games that has ever been created because they figured out the formula so well and to make it modern to where it's still a fun game uh, 12 years later. 
I wish mm-hmm. that they would have integrated more of a dash ability and made the made the levels a little bit longer as a result. Um, yeah, I think that's one thing that the game definitely would have benefited from. Absolutely. Uh, the other thing I will say is there are some enemies in there that are absolutely not enjoyable to fight. Yeah, and there are. There are. I know you are, guys were alluding it to the motorcycle ladies. Not fun to fight. Yeah, the ones the ones that change what plane they're on during the attack suck. All of them. Absolutely, there, there they are just a feel of broken them. because like you already move so slowly, you can't block. And you can't tell how far up or down they're going to go when they attack you. So you have no idea if an attack is going to hit you. Um, so it's like, do I damage myself and hope that it would have hit me? Or like, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah, the enemies yeah. that can just like, it doesn't look like they're anywhere near you and they'll just hit you completely yeah, unfairly. I- and bet- between that and then also the 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 knockback in this game is insane so one of those hits you and you fly all the way across the screen <laughs> and it takes you 10 fall minutes in a to pit. walk back to them or, yeah. or even if you don't fall a pit yeah then you have to walk all the way back to them it's i will admit some of that stuff feels like it wasn't play tested well enough and this is a comment i made to the guys privately i definitely feel like there's a level of imbalance with the game and the enemies and the bosses like some of the bosses feel much more difficult and they're earlier on than some of the later bosses and granted that might be just a weakness in my game but it felt like some yeah just some enemies or some bosses were introduced way earlier or way later than they should have no i think uh, you're 100 right about that because mm-hmm. there are certain bosses that at playing with a full party of four people there are certain bosses that were still kind of a nightmare and then ones we would just pin in a corner and just pummel on yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely uh there's i uh i had played online with um with matt one of our um, wonderful patrons and one of the mods to whenever we stream and we were playing and there's a point where we had trapped one of the bosses and we just kept juggling and juggling and juggling this boss and eventually fell down. But like his, this boss's health was almost completely gone. And then we got, we jungled this boss again and it was done in like 20 seconds. Mm -hmm. And that was towards the end of the game. And we were like, but some of the other bosses that we had played in like, levels two, three, and four were way more difficult and we were surviving by the skin of our teeth at that point. So I think there's definitely some imbalance issues with enemies and bosses for sure. And that's something that I wish that would have been um, tested a little bit more and rearranged a little bit more. Um, Because like, for example, those motorcycle ladies, um, extremely difficult to fight them, especially like what Josh said, because they can shift planes and they're introduced very early into the game and you have to fight progressively more difficult ones. That's kind of always been the, uh, the mythos or the, one of the major aspects about streets of rage is basically you fight the simple enemies at the beginning of the game and they have color palettes that change, but that signifies the harder they get. And that's kind of always been a, mainstay of these games too is the same with golden axe um and so you have to fight harder motorcycle ladies but yeah it, it just still it gets more progressively more and more difficult and the ones that change planes um it, yeah it's borderline unfair because obviously you don't have that level of uh 
movement. Basically, you can't just easily slide up and down the planes. Mm-hmm. And because because the play style is much slower than something like a Castle Crashers, you have to really, really know the ins and outs of the game to avoid some of that stuff. And there are strategies to be able to avoid those attacks. But as a casual player, you're not going to know those unless you sit down and really get to know the game. So at that point, you're essentially creating this 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 difficult barrier to overcome and it's very very it's a steep learning curve essentially and for someone who has never played these games before and they're like oh i've always heard that streets of rage is a well-coveted um popular game back during the genesis era i'm gonna give streets of rage 4 a try not knowing how steep that learning curve is it's gonna totally turn people off and then it continues to make itself a cult classic and not a mainstream success. And I think that's a huge problem. Well, I, man, there's a lot to, okay. So I would say this, I, and then I'll say probably one of the weirdest things you'll ever hear me say. I, yeah, I feel like it's kind of like the Sonic four, um, game we played where like there's, there's a small segment of hardcore Sonic fans that enjoy it. Um, but it's not going to have any sort of profound impact. You remember that Sonic four episode one that came out way back in the day? I don't think it's quite that because um, that game's probably a little better. Uh, no, but... no, that game's probably a lot, a lot worse. <laughs> <laughs> nice try, nice try, Morgan. <laughs> I, I think Sonic being probably maybe a little more I'm, iconic. I'm terrified that you've played enough of both games to actually have I, a genuine I opinion one way or the other. Rich, that's that's. I, I mean, I beat Sonic Four Episode One, but Ooh. it was because I had done really poorly at something that week and I had to be punished. Oh, um, okay. it was yeah, no, it, it was but my, but it was just no, like, it was bad, Morgan. It was basically just like you know, kind of. It wasn't just, like, but you know what I mean. It's basically like a, in a reverence to an old Sonic game. It had been like the Streets of Rage three came out in ninety four, so you know it's well, been a long time, and it's that's the thing, Shay. I don't know that the beat 'em up genre will ever to 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 get mainstream. I mean. Shit, I just knocked my mic over. We, we all to, love to, Turtles in Time, so I don't know what to, you're talking about. Turtles in Time yeah. is amazing. And look, before you even go down that thought, <laughs> think very hard about how popular Castle Crashers was. Think real hard, because it was super popular. It was, but it kind of came and gone, and nobody talks about it anymore. No, that is it. not right uh, at all. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't think they... Look, I can be wrong. I just don't think that you do. But I, I will give you the shake. Castle Crashers you could be was... Wrong. You're very good at it. <laughs> Castle Crashers was a, a good game. I enjoyed it. I it's not. I'm not throwing shade on Castle Crashers. I'm just saying that genre is. It's very hard to get out of a rut. Um, I think it's be. And yet I don't know. it has Did, one of the best games last year was River City Girls, and it is oh, the yeah. best the genre has so managed good. to pull off. Very good game. That game is so well, good. That, and that's fair too. If you're comparing this to that, and you don't feel like it's anywhere near as good, then that's a problem too, right? Yeah. Cause other, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. River Cause, City Girls is way better than this. Yeah, because it. I'm not going to harp on about the block thing, but it has more of a trio sort of a thing. You can block, but there are more enemies who will grab you, and there are more attacks that um, will go through it and whatnot. Um, it's it's more varied. You have to like learn what the enemies are going to throw at you instead of, oh, they're going to hit me. Unless they're like flashing red, if if they're yeah. not flashing red, they're going to hit you. Um, and it's you. Do you think the soundtrack in River City Girls is better than Streets of Rage Four or no? Oh, infinitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, Absolutely. 
Um, that's not to say Streets of Rage Four has a bad soundtrack. What? No, Chase said it was a great soundtrack. I, I said not to say Streets of oh, Rage Four has oh, a bad soundtrack. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, it cut you out there. I was like, oh my it, god. It did cut him out. I thought he said Streets of Rage Four had about that soundtrack. <laughs> I was like, as well. damn. I was like, what the hell? I, no. If I said that, I would have yeah. just beamed into the camera and just waited. Yeah, okay. no, so look, look for the beam. Wait. <laughs> yeah, when Rich drops a bomb, just look for the, yeah. the beam. Yeah. Um, I, to, be I fair, ma- to be fair, really quick, sorry, Morgan. To be You're fair, fine. Josh, about River City Girls, that has an infinitely better story than this game. And that's one, like, look, it has I, never, one. It has a I never played Streets of Rage for a story, and the yeah. story is super simplistic here. I told you guys about it last week as well. There's basically uh, <laughs> Mr. X, the guy, he led the he, crime syndicate, um, he's gone and this is 10 years later and his, uh, twin children, the Y twins have With different last over. name than him. Apparently. Yeah, that's right. And basically aliases and yeah, no, no. basically they, they have the police precinct under their thumb and they're doing bad things. So you yeah. must stop them. And it's very simplistic. And yeah, and not, not only is that the summary of the story, that is the entire story. You've, you've just... You've just heard the entire story. Is kind of yep. Spoiler alert! And I apologize. at one point you go to a concert. Yeah, it was it was cool. Limp Biscuit concert. And the thing is, like like I said, with beat 'em ups, generally <laughs> no, you don't play for the story. Like Castle Crashers, you don't really play for the story. Yeah. Um, like Golden Axe, same thing, and that's fine. Um, if you're not looking for a story, then disregard this completely. Mm-hmm. That's fine. You don't need a story in well, these style of games. But what was cool was River City Girls um, specifically infused a beat-em-up game with an endearing story, and it was fun, and I really enjoyed it. And granted, they're two different experiences as a result. Um, But that was one another just another thing that kind of set itself apart. And that's and that's the thing. um, River City Girls was its own thing. It created it and carved its own niche. Streets of Rage knows its niche, knows what it's trying to do. And I think that's yeah. ultimately kind of the of problem for you yeah. guys is it stayed so much to its niche. It it stayed so much. Um, it has a built-in audience. Right, exactly. And, yeah. and it paid so much attention to that, that the innovations we could see being so effective now were not implemented. And that's unfortunate. Um, um, the, yeah. the, weirdest, the weirdest thing you guys will probably ever hear me say will be this sentence I'm about to say right now. Whenever I see these kind of games, I sort of wish they were more like Def Jam Icon. Did anybody here play Def Jam Icon? Hmm. Never uh, played it. Heard of it. <laughs> I think I did play a little bit of Def Jam Icon. For whatever reason, this is totally unrelated. You're making me think of the Wu-Tang fighting game. I know Wu-Tang. it's complete. Okay. There was, there was a Def Jam Fight for New York. There was a bunch of them. Yeah, Def Jam Fight um, for New York is the one I played vendetta so def jam icon was a very like realistic sort of a fighting game right and it was based around obviously def jam superstars but it, that the game cool would thing never was, happen today that it, like no the it would not much like um, the better game in my opinion wu-tang shaolin style yeah yeah but the cool thing was you could the soundtrack and you could put your own music in there like would kind of shake and the whole arena would actually shake and crumble to the music that you could put in and it was really at the time this is 360 one of the best looking games out there the gameplay was pretty shallow but it was you know pretty basic it was about the name bullshit yes it was about like seeing ludicrous beat the shit out of somebody else i don't know any of these people's names but we Um, have youtube now so we don't need that 
But like I, I kind of for me these games, if you're gonna keep it that simple, and this will never happen because you have to have a budget for these things, and they the beat 'em ups won't. It'd be cool to have one that was really realistic, like uncomfortably so, and then to see that because the music is such a big part of these games, like to have it have an, a, an effect on like the stage and an interest, like aesthetic. Like there's so many games that use music in a cool way. Like you can see like the pulses in the street signs or or the ground shaking and stuff to the beat. Like there's a, I think if the music is an integral part of the experience, like Shay's saying, I think if you can find a way to use it in the game that's this simple other than just cool music's playing in the background that's probably what i would do i I get what you're saying but like the whole thing with def jam is it was built around that idea because it was about like rappers and r&b artists and stuff like it was a game about hip-hop artists fighting yeah what i'm saying is that these are things that they could do to make this genre more interesting to me i'm i'm just saying that's that's where my creative process is i guess i get what you're saying like but that seems more like a level design kind of choice and a beat-em-up thing you know, uh, I just would like to see them highlight those stuff because these games always kind of look silly, and that's fine. I, I, they've kind of played out at that point. But maybe if they tried something a little more visceral, it might catch on a little more. But they, they can't because you're never going to get that kind of money with the beat 'em up genre. I would imagine. I don't think that's necessarily true. What do you think the most successful beat 'em up ever would be? Like Castle, Castle Crashers. Crashers. Castle Crashers. And now he's more, look- more no. so than the bouncer. <laughs> uh, listen okay let me tell you let me tell you about the bouncer right so you beat the bouncer okay you go to play it again because you loved it so much uh-huh you beat That's... the last boss again this time he fucking gets up again <gasps> what it's pretty That's... crazy That's crazy everybody That's... has so many belts you play as sora from kingdom hearts Oh yeah, it's probably a Nomura issue. We can talk about that later. Uh, anyways, I think that that's we. I just, I have a few more things to say. That's not summing it up. Don't oh, even no. try. Um, <laughs> real quick. First off, how many? Just for fun, without looking, how many units do you think uh, Castle Crashers has sold? More than just, three dozen. A million. Yes. Just throw out a guess. One Hazard million. a guess. Morgan, don't be cheating. I'm not cheating. I said a million. Oh. 20 million. Really? 20 million? 20 million. Jesus. That yeah. seems impossible. <laughs> well, you're wrong. <laughs> so, where, do you, where do you find these statistics at? Is that from the Wikipedia? No, that's from their website. Really? Yes. Huh. Anyways, uh, just, so, just so you know that beat em up style games do sell. Anyways. Um, one thing, uh, there are uh, two more things I want to say, and then we can kind of lay this game to rest. Um, I actually did end up beating this game four times. Um, I played it, I played it with friends and I played it by myself. I absolutely love this game. One thing they absolutely need to fix is there is a glitch. Oh yeah. Granted, they'll probably never hear this podcast, but it's, it's very, very bad. Um, if you were playing with someone online and you go to pause the game, and you unpause it, your screen will be frozen exactly how it was when you paused it. Your character can still move, and you will still get the shit kicked out of you, but you cannot hear it, you cannot see it, because your game is still frozen on that pause screen, Mm -hmm. but the pause menu is removed. That is a very, very bad glitch that needs to be fixed because part of the draw of this game and part of the draw of all beat-em-up games, like you guys have said, is basically playing with your friends. And the fact that they only included a two-player online co-op 
to me speaks to they didn't have the resources to handle that, which is fine. I'm willing to accept that as sad yeah. as that is, because I'd love to play with the four of us. But if it's not even functional to the point to where I can't pause, like say I have to go to the bathroom or say Morgan's kid runs in and is like, hey, I'm hungry, dad. And then um, Morgan and I were playing and he's like, hey, I'll be right back in five minutes. He pauses it and unpauses it and it's frozen and we have to start a level all over again. It's kind of bad. Kinda yeah, their, bad. their net code is kind of a mess. And I think I think it does have to do with just lack of development, like yeah. you're saying, because it's got those you know that that massive bug and then also they don't have the option to play with four people um yeah. which is why Rich i didn't was, even realize that i yeah i used steam share yeah yeah which is oddly enough like it didn't really work that well for us because i think the distance is just too far to try to play a brawler when we tried to play river city girls together yeah. um but yeah this the whole uh steam has couch co-op where you can just stream the game to other people and that being the optimal way to play a game as opposed to the in-game netcode is not great. No. Um, no, it's pretty it's pretty weak. Whatever happened to Battletoads? We're supposed to get a new Battletoads game. We're supposed to get a Battletoads game. Anyways, there is a new Battletoads <laughs> game coming out. Yeah. yeah, there's... Like, yeah, Microsoft announced that. Didn't like, it? Yeah, what was that? Last E3 or was it? Before? A long time ago. I don't it know. It feels so long. It was last E3. It looks like shit. <gasps> The art's terrible. Oh. That is unfortunate. The The last thing I do want to say about Streets of Rage 4, I know I'm sure you guys are overhearing about it, and I'm sure some of the listeners are, but too bad, um, is that <laughs> I, I love the new art style a lot. I think that was a great choice to modernize uh, the franchise. Because if they had stuck with the old art style, I think it would, have, again, have pinged fucking hell pigeonholed itself further into basically doing the same old stuff uh the new art style i really like a lot the more hand-drawn looking and it lends itself to some beautiful moments uh specifically the boss fight in chinatown was a beautiful beautiful fight because of that hand-drawn um art and just the whole chinatown level in general is awesome especially if you're looking in the background and you kind of see like people in a dark alleyway are kind of doing some gambling dice game and there's some things that kind of happen in the background like that and because of this art style uh it lends itself more to having those little in the background events happening which i really enjoyed and uh there are all a ton of Easter eggs hidden in here. So if you are a fan of the first, second, or third game, you're going to have some random characters pop up. You're going to have some uh, random allusions to the other games pop up. And it's really, really cool to see. So if you're a fan of uh, beat-em-ups or uh, the older style beat-em-ups or Streets of Rage, you're absolutely going to love this game. If you have kind of wanted a progression of the beat em ups uh, and you're more privy to things like we said, river city girls or castle crashers. This is going to be a harder sell. And um, I, I totally understand that. I still think it's a fun game. I think it's fun for a one playthrough. Obviously um, I feel that way and it's available on Xbox game pass. So if you have, you know, a quick two hours, you can beat it once form your own opinion. And then, 
move on. Yeah, that's that's the smart thing on game. I would say this. I think ninety percent of people that buy it are gonna probably like it just because if you're buying Streets of Rage four, you're probably the target audience. So, you know right. what you're in for. I I would think at some point. Yeah, it's hard for me to imagine a lot of casual people like that. Streets of War, Streets of Rage four game looks really. It's you know. I think you're wrong there because it's like fifteen dollars. What what is it? No, it's like twenty. It's twenty twenty five. Twenty five. All right, but it's Ooh, cheap enough that Jesus. people are gonna pick it up. Right. Also, it's on Game Pass, I, so more I people are gonna be so. exposed yeah. to it. Game Pass, not... I get, but it's hard for me to imagine a lot of people dropping. Well, you got to think about when the original Streets of Rage games dropped; they were sixty, eighty dollars on the Genesis. So now that being twenty five, them having all those characters, there are multiple modes too. Something we didn't even talk about because mm-hmm. I know you guys aren't gonna give a shit about it. But you can verse each other in a battle mode. You can do boss rush. Um, you can do arcade or story. I. I mean, there are multiple modes. There's a lot of replay value in the game if you like this style of game. So I absolutely think it warrants a $25 price tag. Um, just because you don't like it doesn't mean that it doesn't warrant that. Um, if you just... I, d- I didn't say that, though. I, I But, but say... I can read between the lines. I was you. pretty clear about, you know, how much I played and what I felt of that time. But, like, I don't really want to have a strong critical uh opinion on it because i just didn't play enough of it um but i yeah i just don't agree with the i just don't agree with the 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 perception that more casual people would try that out um so i guess we'll just agree to disagree on that one yeah um that's fair gears tactics uh rich you say you play yeah video games i do (laughs) it's a claim i've made uh, i don't believe you uh, yeah, I played a few hours of Gears Tactics. That sounds like um, an oxymoron. Gears it's not, Tactics. you big dummy. Um, in fact, I had thought for a long time Gears would lend itself really well to a tactics game, as it's a cover shooter. Okay, yeah, that's true, that's true. Um, uh, yeah, no, it, it's out on, uh, I'm playing it on, it's on PC Game Pass. Uh, so that's how I am playing it. Does, uh, that, does that seem a little strange to you? Because I... Most people I know that grew up loving and playing Gears are on the Xbox, and they don't even have access to this game. Well, um, I mean, maybe those people are idiots. You ever consider that? Uh, <laughs> Wait, because they like Gears? That's harsh. No, because you'd want to play a tactical game on a console. Well, but what I mean is the entire fan base of Gears is on Xbox, so it's just a strange thing that you don't They're in the... the Microsoft ecosystem, and I do believe it is coming to Xbox eventually, but it's on PC Game Pass first. Um... But yeah, I played the first few hours of it, and I got it's very much an XCOM meets Gears uh, situation. It follows uh, the main character is Gabe Diaz, who is uh, the father to Kate Diaz, the protagonist of Gears Five. Um, and it's it's set before the events of Gears One, I believe, as he's leading a squad to wipe out a locust geneticist, uh, who is the person in canon responsible for creating the bigger Gears monsters like the Brumach and things like that. And you said, wait, you said it's set before Gears, which one? Gears 1. Oh, it's set before the original Gears? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, I really, really like it so far because it's, not only is it a, a just a really solid tactics game, um, it does a really good job of blending the stuff that makes Gears Gears into tactics. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, I mean, you have action points like in an XCOM or something where you can move, you can enter an Overwatch mode where you basically set a cone and if any unit moves in it on that turn you open fire on them. Uh, But then they added some really interesting mechanics around like 
stuff you would expect for ge- from Gears. Uh, mm-hmm. For example, you can down enemies on the battlefield, and then you can use an action to execute them. Uh, and executing an enemy gives you a bonus action point. So basically, if you plot things out correctly, you can use it to move up for free, essentially, and fire on another opponent. Okay. Uh, same goes for, like, chainsaw kills, or if you, you're using the Retro Lancer, you can get that bayonet kill in. Uh, and then every character has skill trees that you can use to sort of buff those abilities to use them in conjunction more seamlessly. Like, uh, a sniper might have an ability that's, okay, this unit, it, uh, it, your accuracy goes down by 10%, but if you kill on this shot, you automatically reload your weapon, stuff like that. Okay. Is it like, what's the, is the, so if let's say you're someone like myself, uh, who has a minimal as you would say, experience in the tactical genre. What what's the closest? Uh, it's game XCOM. X okay okay. It is uh-huh. XCOM through and through with some bonus abilities that give it the gears trappings. Uh, and unlike a typical XCOM, you have a classification of units. You have the normal units. Uh, you can simply recruit, which you know you give them names, you customize their abilities, give them a class, and then you have hero units, uh, which are characters you get through the story. Um, do you, do you, well, I was going to ask you about the, the story as well, because the one thing that makes XCOM kind of, uh, unique generally is sort of the, the fact that, you know, people can die and you have that sort of management aspect. That's, this is more, uh, well, people can s- die. S- s- okay. The permanently. Yeah. Not hero okay. units. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Like I said, there's the classification of, you know, your infantry men that are disposable. If a hero unit dies, you lose the the match but also remember it's gears so you do have that downing mechanic so just because Uh an enemy loses all the hp doesn't mean they're completely out of it you could still have that chance to uh revive them revive them and just like timed certain amount of turns or something it's a certain amount of turns yeah they're bleeding out and you can get another unit uh over there to lift them some characters have an ability called second wind where one time during an encounter they can revive auto revive themselves okay so that's interesting because everything you're saying actually does, when you do think about Gears, I, I see your point because you're taking cover and a lot of the basic mechanics in place, such as reviving teammates and yeah. stuff, you could... It translates really, translate really well. pretty well. And I think, like, the stuff you wouldn't expect to translate well, like, you know, chainsaw bayonets and, uh, like, executions and stuff, they found a way to work in really well. Interesting. Um, do you... When you so like the story you said takes place before the first one, and obviously you know I feel yeah. about Gears of War, Gears of War lore. But how do you feel about Gears of War lore and like how this fits into uh, Gears of War lore? Is really stupid, and if you take it on its face as like a dumb gritty action movie, it's fun. I like I'm not looking for a deep telling narrative from Gears of War, but I think it's really fun, and the monster designs and stuff are ridiculous, and um, this finds a, a a nice place in the timeline. I think getting this sort of weird backstory of like how these weirder monsters are made. Um, I'm through act one, uh, which is it's split up into acts like a normal gears game, which uh, the Brumach, if you guys will remember that Tyrannosaurus Rex looking motherfucker, that's covering Gatling guns. From yeah. Gears, yeah. Uh, that's the boss at the end of act one. And I think they found a way to make a hulking enemy like that translate really well to a tactics game. Uh, essentially you're targeting, uh, 
these emulsion canisters on its back and the way its AI works is it's basically going to engage whoever's in front of it but if you fire on those tanks it'll turn around as to not have the tanks be shot at so if you get oh, okay. basically you want two squads on either side of it and you want to keep like juking it back and forth okay and uh let's see so it's was it developed by what splash damage uh it's splash damage and the coalition Okay, I was trying to remember what splash damage was famous for. Uh, oh, Quake Wars. They did Quake Wars. Weird. Okay, so they're kind of into those kind. Of... So yeah, do you think this is gonna be like? I guess that's what I'm curious about because I maybe if it comes to console in particular, but when we talk about you know it's reviewing stuff, very well, it's reviewing well. Okay. I kind of wish I could try it on Game Pass. I'm kind of because I love, I enjoy tactical games, not gear so much, but like the things, like if if they're not presenting the gear story in the traditional way they present it, that might be interesting. It, you know? It's it is a gear story through and through, like the the acts and stuff, but the combat obviously is a totally different thing. I mean, and, like how is the story presented? Is it like the same thing, like just kind of cutscenes in yeah. between? Okay, okay, and. Uh, I will say there are, there are quote-unquote side missions in between acts uh, that you can do to sort of grind out levels, and I really like what they do with those thus far um, because they're basically different game modes for those. I've only experienced one of them so far, but they've referred to them as game modes, so I assume there will be more, mm -hmm. uh, which was a sort of capture points mode where it's basically like, okay, there are these circles, and holding them, basically, if your squad is holding these circles at the end of a turn, you get a certain amount of resources. And enemy waves are going to keep coming. Your mission is to get X amount of resources and get out. But if you take the risk and split your squad, you can control both points at the same time and end up netting more resources by the virtue of getting to a turn before you extract. Uh, okay. So there's a pretty fun degree of strategy to it. Cool. Also, they added healing grenades, which might have been a thing in later Gears games that I'm not remembering. But... Uh, like, you know, grenades were a staple in Gears, so they added medic units. Medic that, grenades. Th their throwable is a healing grenade. That's cool. I like that. Do you think it does enough to distinguish itself? Like, I think it's great that if you love XCOM, but you think it does enough to distinguish itself in, uh, like, oh, carve its own identity, I, I guess. I, ab I absolutely do think so, because it takes the framework of XCOM, but like I said, it manages to find really fun ways that work really well with those systems to keep the things that make gears gears. And that really sets it apart. Like, I mean, there's no active reloads. I honestly don't know how you translate something like that, but things like the chainsaw bayonet, the, um, the, the Lancer, like the actual chain, uh, I'm sorry. I said the chainsaw bayonet, the regular bayonet, which is also a thing. Yeah. Um, and making it like rewarding for you to use stuff like that. Uh, emergence holes are still a thing. You'll see a tell that like an emergence hole is going to open and you can sort of plan ahead to be like, all right, I want a unit with a grenade over here. That is very into the breachy where you see them coming out of the ground <laughs> to, to pop that hole. But unlike the whole into the breach thing, it's Gears of War. So you need to close that hole or you're going to have like three turns of enemies spawning out. And I mean, the, the Gears units, if you guys you remember what wretches are from Gears of War. They're fly flying things, right? No, the little like golem ones that melee. Oh yes, with. yes, yes. Yep. Uh, I found myself using Overwatch a lot more than I would in even XCOM hmm. because when wretches show up, it's in waves of like seven, so it's sort of a waste of time to gun them down one by one. You kind of want to set 
uh, two guys in Overwatch setting up like a kill box and just knock them all out as they come to you. Does it when it continues to work then? Is, did XCOM work that way or did XCOM have a single use for over? XCOM had a single use. I the it was way a over... single use. Yeah, that's what I thought it was. It was just like nothing's in range, so I'll set this and leave it. But so, but, uh, so like if you set an area, anything that goes through there will get shot yeah, at. Yeah, but cool. when you run out of ammo, ah, like okay. that's the end of it. Like it might be okay. Uh, you know, Gabe has enough ammo in his gun to fire at three enemies as they move through the cone, and then his Overwatch is over. That's cool. Well, I don't want to sound like a, a a layman here, but when you just throw terms around like Overwatch, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, Overwatch is a term that I believe XCOM was the first to really use, but it became kind of a staple in games like this. Uh, basically, you could end your turn with instead of actually acting, you basically set up a cone um, of like an, an area of attention. And then if any enemy units move through that cone on their turn, you automatically fire on them. Oh, okay, interesting. And and there's no consequences for you. They don't get to fire back or anything. Is that not no, how those games work? Okay. No. Um and then there's also abilities you'll have uh in your arsenal that are interrupts. Basically to be like if an enemy ends their turn in Overwatch, you can have somebody interrupt their Overwatch uh so a character it can move through that zone or a character that's already in that zone can act. I just thought it was cute that you're throwing Overwatch around like I knew what the fuck you were talking about. <laughs> yeah, no, people who play those games will know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Cool. All right, well, yeah, it's 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 on Game Pass for Xbox on... Oh, I'm sorry, at PC. It's on Game Pass for PC. Yeah. So. so you need the whole Game Pass Ultimate deal or PC Game Pass. Uh, I finally had to figure out how to install that PC Game Pass beta on my computer to play that game. Oh, cool. Well, it's kind of a good little spurt of tactic games for you coming right off of uh, XCOM Chimera Squad. So. Exactly, exactly. It's tactic season. Kind of fighting for that same audience, but... Uh, they're both very distinct, honestly. like they're, Chimera Squad's trying stuff that's so different, so I find them both pretty refreshing at this time. Cool. Well, Gears Tactics. Uh, you think you're going to stick with it? Absolutely. I'm going to see this through the end. I'm loving it. See it through the end. All right. Uh, cool. Cool. Um, maybe if it'll come to Game Pass oh, on console. Oh, there was one last note I wanted to put out, and you'll enjoy this, Morgan. Yeah. Um, they had, I think it's over now. If you played within the first week, they gave you an extra hero unit, which was a Thrashball Cole. Uh, Dra- oh. Yeah. If you remember Cole, I was thinking because they're do. like, you go in his and football, they're like. His weird football player guy? Well, it's yeah. Thrashball. I know, it's Thrashball. Idiot. <laughs> um, uh, it's the cousin it, of Blitzball. I'm they sorry. go when you start, they're like, oh, you'll get Cole at Chapter 4. And I was like, oh, so they're going to weirdly work him into the narrative. No, Chapter 4 comes and you just have Cole now. Uh, <laughs> he just, he's just there? Also, he's in his Thrashball uniform, so he's dressed like a fucking linebacker, which seems so jarring that I wanted to take the gear off, but gear has stats in these games. And the stat booster, like, that gear is so good. that <laughs> it, So, basically, every mission now, I have, like, three guys, like, in their COG uniforms get off the, the APC, followed by a fucking football linebacker holding a, a fucking auto rifle. Mm-hmm. And it's um, pretty great. Thrashball, now that's a Gears game I'd play. <laughs> that was the, the best uh, horde arena in uh, Gears 3, it was the Thrashball Arena. Thrashball Arena. Cool. All right. Well, Gears Tactics. 
Thank you for uh, giving us the frontline report on the new Gears game, Rich. You're the Happy only man here brave enough to do it. <laughs> I love Gears of War. Um, all right, let's get to some polls. We hit a couple games this week, and um, uh, again, we're trying to keep this sh- the show under a certain length because uh, we have a massive show to record after, but we do have, some f- <laughs> do have some fun stuff to discuss here. Uh, and then, you know, each week we're going to have a couple games to sprinkle. There's so much to play. I feel like we still have to talk about so much stuff. So um, still want to talk about Cloudpunk with you guys soon. Still want to finish Ori among other things. I know you guys are playing some other stuff. Okay, so the polls this week, by the way, every Tuesday you can vote on these polls on the Sword Chomp Instagram page. Uh, we run these polls, you vote on them, we talk about the results and uh, see what happens. Very and sexual. <laughs> there was some good stuff this week, let me tell you. Like uh, <laughs> the Nicolas Cage news, um, uh, it came out that Nicolas Cage is going to supposedly play Joe Exotic in the uh, Tiger King movie, which I guess we need. Series. I, I don't really see why we would need that when we have a docu-series. Not, not, a, not a film. Sorry, yes, the docu-series. No, um, well, no, it's not a docu-series either. Um, yeah, sorry. I, my, my head, I was trying to pull up the, the poll results, and then my brain mixed those yeah. together, but you're right. So it's just a standard, like, eight to ten episodes. Dramatization. Okay. It's um, probably the best term to use for something like this. I mean, on its face, to me, it's something that sounds really good. It's just like, oh my god, Nicolas Cage, the weirdo, an amazing meme playing Joe Exotic, another weirdo, an amazing meme. Um, There's nothing to complain about there. It's just I don't really... I don't understand the demand for the show necessarily because we have the documentary. Well, the, the docuseries is like a totally different thing on the face. From what, there, there's an audience for this, and I'll watch it because it's weird. I also so, yeah. laughed because that same day I had rewatched the Nicolas Cage good or bad episode of Community. Yeah. A lot of Nicolas Cage going on in your life. It's very serendipitous. Um, so you're thinking that they're just going to take his character and do like, it's not going to follow the events necessarily. Well, of no, the... no, it will, but it's not going to be a, a docuseries. It's going to be no, no, a, I, a I reenactment, that, yeah. a, drama, a dramatization of said events. I guess what I'm saying is that docuseries is so crazy and it's real and it's there, so I don't understand the hunger for a fictional version of that. Because um, don't hey, you want to watch Nicolas Cage being an insane person? I like will. a neon blue leopard print shirt? I will watch it. Um, I will say, this kind of blew my mind. The The guy who used to be on Reno 9-11. Do you guys ever watch Reno 911? Yeah. Um. I don't know why I said Reno 911. Um, on the he used to be on a Reno 911. That the the main cop guy, I forgot him his name. He Dangle. does he does all these like little videos, and he does an amazing Joe Exotic, like an insanely good Joe Exotic. Um, his character was almost Joe. His Reno 911 character is like a hair away from being Joe Exotic, so that makes sense. I'm t- I'm telling you, it blew when I first saw it. He was like, I think it was a TikTok video he was doing. Um, I was like, how the fuck did they get Joe Exotic out of prison for this? It looks so good. It looks so fucking good. Um, so just want to throw that out there. If you want to check those out, I'll just send you, some of those TikToks are amazing. I I'm not look. I'm not tell you to go watch TikToks. Um, Sponsored content. Yeah, Thomas Lennon who plays Lee Dangle. That's right. God, he's a, he's a really good Joe Exotic. Um, so anyways, the poll question was, 
Are you, I think it was one of those hype things. Let's see here. Yeah. What's your hype level on the scientific slider for that? And it was about at 70%. There's still some, you know, Tiger King haters out there. Or maybe Nicolas Cage haters. Who knows? Some people just hate Nicolas Cage and they don't appreciate the irony. But I'll tell you this. Nicolas Cage might be a terrible actor sometimes, but he's also an amazing actor sometimes. Nicolas Cage. Is he good? Is he he bad? We can, he can never blur know. the. Mm-hmm. He's like Adam Sandler. He can blur the line in. Way, I have much more respect for him than Adam Sandler, but he can blur the line in the way that Adam Sandler can also. So we're like, wow, Adam Sandler can actually act when he chooses to. You know, Shay's making a face, but I'm with Morgan on this. I I find Nicolas Cage fascinating. <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, Nicolas Cage is fascinating, but. I mean, to to sh- I don't see what Adam Sandler has to do with any of that, and oh, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> just if they were both Josh, hanging off the a next cliff. Five minutes off, <laughs> and I only had time to save one. I would save Nicholas Cage. Yeah, well, I yeah. Let's change the question. Let, oh, let's Na- do that. That's a poll question right there. Na- name name Nicholas Cage's best movie and put it against Happy Gilmore, Adaptation. Billy Madison, Waterboy. I dare you. Those are all terrible movies. You're I a fucking idiot if you think that. <laughs> I mean, I don't think those no, are all terrible kidding. movies. No, I just, I, I would never. T- I, I just playfully. That's not my. His humor is not my thing. It's just too okay. childish. What about uh, Punch what? Drunk Love? <laughs> Josh, are we at the uh, Josh, same realization at the same moment? Go for it, Josh. Go for it. Go in. Humor. Go in. Is too juvenile for you? Yes, it is. Please elaborate. Just let that sit. No, 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 don't just let so that sit. So movies elaborate. are the only aspect of your life in which you try. Uh, art in general. Oh. So. Art. I don't, I don't see that translating to other mediums. No, but it's, t- my, my juvenile is more like Seth Rogen. Um, it's not like, uh, like my juvenile is not on the, as much like Adam Sandler and, is a little more like, I make funny voices and punch me in the balls. Oh, that's what you, you do. Know. That's exactly um, no, what you do. No, that is not me at <laughs> you all. Just, you just don't no, want someone else taking your no, thing. No, that uh, is not me. Shay, to be fair, you did ask me about the Nicolas Cage movie thing, and I'll stand by this until the day I die. I would trade every movie adam sandler has ever made to keep face off i i yeah i would can't too. take that journey with you because his co-lead is also the other way around, someone do, famous for being the, the rock so bad but so good but i will say this i will say this criminally underrated movie wind talkers nicholas cage gives a phenomenal performance in that movie Absolutely. Well, that's what's so crazy yeah. about Dude. him. He goes out and, like you say, he does a wind talkers. He does the rock. He does fucking uh, face off, which that's debatable on whether it's quality. I just really like face off. Yeah, that one's uh, just fun for the sake of it. I think, but and then he goes and does like the fucking wicker man, and you're just confused. <laughs> that's fair. No, like he, d- I think like because of his meme status, that I think more people would probably take him over Sandler. But I do think that Sandler. Honestly, has more range, and oh, I'm, that's I, insane. I don't think that's true at all. That's I, not true at all. Yeah, they, no, they, it absolutely is true. I don't no. think so because, I mean, we have proof to the contrary with Click. Like, obviously, he can't pull it off. No, think about it this way. Like I said, Punch Drunk Love and Spanglish are both wonderful, serious movies. He's done a great children's movie in Bedtime Stories, which is highly underrated. Uh, he does comedy, obviously, and he does stand up on top of that. And 
He cl- oh, and what's that? Uncut gems. Uncut which gems. Was the, I know. I was I was intentionally making a bad faith argument with that other one, but yeah, uncut yeah, no gems saying that- was one of his best movies, and it's no face off. <laughs> You're right. It's better. You're right. It's, just, it's much better. Uh, well, it's okay. The first, the thing about Adam Sandler is no. I'm not saying he's not capable. That was kind of why I brought it up. Is like he is capable of these great movies like Punch Drunk Love. But I mean, there's a couple things about Nicolas Cage. Number one, there's two Nicolas Cage's in adaptation, and that's that he was nominated for an Academy Award, and that movie is actually amazing. And he actually won an Oscar for Leaving Las Vegas. And I don't think Adam Sandler has an Oscar to his name. So. No, you'd have to look that up because I don't know. I don't pay attention right. to the awards at all. Now, he does have a lot of Razzies to his name. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, Give him the old razzle-dazzle. Uh, just, Shay, just imagine a world without Adam Sandler or a world without Nicolas Cage, and you're telling me you'd rather have a world without Nicolas Cage? That yep. sounds wonderful. Yep. Every no, day. no, the, prem- the premise of the question. Can That's we just get rid of both of them? <laughs> so Man, you only have time I'm to save old. one. Like, what not, can I loot? Rich. Now, what are you Is doing? there someone else? It sounds like I've got some free time. <laughs> I would um, pick up Nicolas Cage after he agreed to give me his cave bear, his, uh, cave bear skull. That, that was a... I love finding those little debates because um, that, that's exactly what, what we need. But I would... Im- <laughs> I have no idea how that would come back. I have no idea how the fan vote on that would come back. I feel like they're both it'll popular. Be, it'll be interesting. I mean, Sandler has been... Um, in accordance with your awards argument, he has been nominated for some Golden Globes and some Grammys. Call me and when he I, I don't know if you guys forgot about this. In the early yes. 90s, he had a bunch of comedy CDs that were very, very well respected, and it had a bunch of uh, guest artists on them, too, and they're fucking hilarious. Um, for our younger TV. viewers, a CD is a compact disc. That's right. That's right. All right. Um, well, we shall see. Murder Hornets in the U.S., the rush to stop the Asian giant hornet. Is that a Nicolas Cage film? <laughs> it could very well could be. Um, see, I would much rather see a no. Nicolas Cage movie with this, where he's like no. trying to avoid them, and he's like, ah, I'm getting eaten by I, murder hornets. Like, look, Shay, let's just do a chomping after dark for face off, and then we'll revisit the conversation. <laughs> I would rather not. <laughs> to put it plainly I would say this when Nicolas Cage is bad he's still entertaining when Adam Sandler is bad he's still entertaining painful. no that's not true I lied okay. <laughs> you, don't, you don't even believe that no, I said it with zero conviction I, I know I we like, both have made these arguments and been like I don't believe that <laughs> as yep. soon as you say it <laughs> yep Pretty much. <laughs> um, anyways, there is this uh, very large hornet that is slowly sneaking its way, potentially maybe into the U.S. This thing, it, it's just a large hornet, but what's freaky about it is, like, it can devastate bee populations. Like, there was these, um, what are they, I almost called them bee farmers, but I don't know the prop, proper, beekeepers? Beekeeper? Bee, what's? Yeah. Uh, oh, I know the beekeepers. I just thought there was a, a term for, like, if you... if you, like, have a bunch of them and you're, like, farming honey from them, you know? Like, maybe there's... Uh, the loc- there you go. I know that's not it, but we're going to start using that. So, uh, not for the people who do it themselves, but a location where you have like bee farms and whatnot, they're called apiaries. Apiaries. Okay. Which yes. I always thought meant they kept apes. And it's oh. not true. <laughs> very, very confusing for uh, budding English enthusiasts who are learning as a second language. Apiaries don't have chimpanzees? 
Like, some dude was like, hey, Rich, you want to see my apiary? And I was like, fuck yeah, I do. And then I was like, what the hell is this? It's just a bunch of fucking bees. Yeah. Man. Um. No, this, like, Morgan, can I go in on this? Can of course, I... of course. Go for okay. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't want to interrupt you. So this is particularly worrisome for multiple reasons. First and foremost, um, it's clear to me that, and it sh- as it's clear to all you guys, but it's not clear to a lot of the population, because I've been actually asked by multiple of our fans um, if they should be concerned. Uh, the media, obviously, is such a big proponent of this issue because they are absolutely perpetuating the issue here by saying, oh, murder hornets. Like, don't get me wrong. These creatures are very dangerous for humans. Um, you don't want to get stung by one. And if you, if you want to learn more about the effects that that can have, actually, there's a channel called The Brave Wilderness. Um, I'm sure a lot of you have heard of it. Coyote <laughs> Peterson, he did a series where he got stung by multiple insects or bitten by multiple insects to try and update the uh, pain index for uh, bug bites and bug stings. And he stated that that was the worst one he's ever been um, involved with. Like he's ever the Asian murder hornet. Heard of yeah, the, uh, the Japanese giant hornet is actually what it's called. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, like it's it's concerning, but the fact that one source basically called it these murder hornets, and literally every single other news outlet ran with that is basically just fear mongering, and it's lazy journalism. Buzzwords. Yeah, absolutely. It's bullshit. Um, because in a time right now where everybody's yeah. um in a heightened state of yeah. awareness yeah. and concern, that's like that is not helpful at all. Yeah. I think the only reason they did that and to give them any credit is because if they called them Japanese hornets, no most of the South thinks they have those already. Because <laughs> no, no, the East Coast has European hornets, which are Almost the same size, almost the same coloration, also very aggressive. Um, really? Okay. Yeah. No, right. they suck. They good old suck. yellow jackets. I, yeah, no, they're, no, they're, no they're not even yellow jackets. They they're are the bigger ones. Yeah, I know. They're, no, they're, they're massive. massive. Hornets. They're massive yeah. hornets. What are they called? European hornets. But almost everyone in the South just calls them Japanese hornets because, just because. I don't know why that started. It probably just misidentified them. But they were looking for, for something to uh, blame the Japanese enough. for at the time. Exactly, exactly. So that may be the reason why they've gone with the hyped-up name, because otherwise people would think, oh, we've already got those here. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's the largest hornet in North America. It is smaller than the other one, Josh, but it is the largest in there. Yeah, it's, it's not a lot, and yeah. they are very aggressive. Like they, they are... are- they're much bigger than you think. I will. Ne- I can tell you guys. I've had a few of these fly into the classrooms while teaching. The students absolutely freak out. Mm-hmm. Oh and, yeah, you see them over there in Japan. Yeah, and, well, them. yeah, because they are Japanese. Yes, I do see them. <laughs> um, and they are much bigger than you think. They mm-hmm. are big. They are not small. And yeah, they are worrisome. Like they they can hurt and possibly fatally injure you know smaller children or older people as they're susceptible to much more things, unfortunately. Is it kind of like a like a black widow bite or something like that, where it, most people will not be harmed, but if you're like old or younger, oh. it's just the vent? I heard the description nah. as like being pierced with a white hot nail. Yeah, yeah, just go, just go oh, watch. Okay. If you're interested in what it's like, because obviously I've never been stung, 
go watch the uh, the episode with Coyote Peterson. It's very informative. Um, he does it from a very scientific standpoint. Obviously, there's a little bit of um, like suspense built up because it's a YouTube. They need to get clicks. Like there's music and camera shots. Well, but it's for it's, children. It's very, but it is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's very well. It's, I don't think it's just for children. I think it's for anyone who wants the knowledge. But um, the bigger point I want to get here and why this is such a concern is because it's an invasive species. And anytime you yeah. introduce an invasive species to an environment that it's not naturally evolved into or come into, um, it has the potential to wipe out other species. It completely messes up the food web. It can cause uh, trophic cascades, which means that, for example, uh, the, the honeybees have a certain number of predators. You add another predator to that, um, of course, these predators are obviously going to compete with each other, but you're going to lower the number of honeybee population. Okay. Yeah. Right. And so whatever the honeybee eats, there's going to potentially be an uptick in that, um, which means that whatever those things below so the honeybees eat, eat yeah. the thing below that is going to decrease as well. So it causes the whole food web out, to go out of whack. Now, some some scientists and some people theorize, well, that's just kind of the natural state of things. These things happen, and, which is not entirely wrong. Uh, th- who's to say that, you know, these Japanese um, giant hornets wouldn't have eventually flown across the sea and made their way to the U.S. anyways, which I believe I, I need to do a little bit more research on how they, <coughs> excuse me, infiltrated the U.S. <coughs> that may have been the case. Um, which, yeah, I mean, that. It, it, at that point, there's nothing you can do but let nature take its course. Um, but what's what's problematic about that, especially when humans accidentally introduce um, invasive species to different environments, which happens all the time. Like, mm-hmm. just go look at Australia's cane toad problem, for example, or the U.S.'s New Zealand uh, snail problem. Yeah, um, the U.S. is just a mess. We've got... Yeah. problems with birds that we've brought over here the entire east coast is covered in kudzu we've yep. got we we keep doing this we keep doing this in the u.s yeah it's it's a big well i mean it's around the world too like australia they introduced um uh certain mammals like cats basically um which were not natural there to kind of fend off like some of the smaller rodents and or uh rabbits and now they have these issues there with those mammals, for example. So the U.S. is a big proponent of that, too. They've introduced some tree species because they're more aesthetically pleasing, um, and they've actually competed with some natural uh, tree species. I actually did a project on this in high school, or in college that basically destroys the riparian zones on rivers. Uh, riparian huh. zone is uh, basically where the river, uh, right behind the riverbanks. So it's where you can there catch are riparian. <laughs> Yes, sure. Yeah, uh, but it's like a 3% uh, encounter rate. Yeah, That's I know. Right. They name it after that, but it's really strange. It's That's just to right. get you Mostly to Mostly pidgeys. There. It's actually right. Rhyperior, but it's okay. You're right. Good actually. joke. It was a good Whatever, joke. Whatever, nerd. Joke. <laughs> <laughs> I, Zambo. Well, I, Shay, I think we're missing... Uh, actually, well, that was very informative. Well, oh, I'm sorry. not done. I'm not done. Nice try. Oh, um, but the big... <laughs> nice try. Uh, but the biggest problem here is that they will... They are going to... Uh, predate on basically the honeybee population and 
with uh, basically pollinators, specifically the honeybees or solitary bees already struggling to survive due to climate change right now, it's a huge, huge problem for our foods. Um, it has great implications for us, for, for them, for the ecosystems that they are involved in. Uh, thankfully, um, I don't know, there was a video circulating and it's only going to help so much that it, it seems that the Japanese giant hornet has a natural predator in the mantises. Um, Ooh, I don't know if you guys have nice. seen that, that video of a praying mantis basically holding a giant Japanese giant hornet as he devours its head while it's alive, which is amazing. Fuck. It's you know super- what's you know what's beautifully serendipitous about that is that when a giant uh, when these giant murder hornets, as they call them, get into those beehives, they decapitate hundreds of fucking bees. They chop their fucking heads off. It's crazy. So it is kind of serendipitous that uh, a mantis would... <laughs> I, I see I see. you got your word of the day in here three times. <laughs> nope. I was going to ask that. I was like, is that in your word of the day calendar or something? <laughs> Nothing to see here. Yeah, no, you're turn good. the page to tomorrow. Um, <laughs> Whoops. No, you're absolutely right. Like, they are... They are brutal creatures. They really are. And, um... The thing I don't like is the fear-mongering in the current times that we have by calling them murder hornets, but it is a real big issue. It is a really big issue for um, uh, the U.S. Um, in terms of their ecosystems, and it does have a lot of potential negative implications. So it's something that, weirdly enough, is going to cause um, some work to <laughs> inevitably, and thank and uh, I shouldn't say thankfully. Uh, there, there are going to be some scientists and some biologists, uh, ecologists that are definitely going to be employed after this virus stuff stops because they're going to need to start studying um, their abundance and their spread because we don't know how much they're going to spread. Obviously, um, a lot of Japan, not all of it, is a more um, less of a temperate climate. It's much harder here. And so it's going to be interesting for scientists to see what's going to happen in the U.S. It's going to cause it's going to cause a lot of issues, and it's going to need to be studied and studied as quickly as possible. And um, I, I know some I, I've read some articles, skim some as well, that basically scientists are trying to theorize how they're going to stop uh, the spread of this Japanese hornet. They're not going to be able to stop it. Dude, I don't think. I just, basically, it's 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 there now, and it's going to be there. I just watched the video that Mantis man that those bees they still like twitch and stuff even after their heads are like completely yeah. chewed off. Yeah, yeah they'll continue yeah, to sting for about an hour after they're dead, just yeah. on, on reflex. Do you know that, Morgan? But, like after a bee dies, mm-hmm. um, like because they're not like uh, Josh is saying, their natural reflex is that you can still get stung by a bee after it um, has died for a certain amount of time, just because body reflexes. Yeah, I just mean yeah. That's yeah, found that's found that fair. out when I was, was just, a kid because I, yeah, killed one of them. Like, oh, let's go move the body. It's a bad call. Yeah, you, you have to bad call. Yeah, learned well, that lesson the hard way as a as a youngin. Yeah, that sounds unpleasant. <laughs> yeah, I was. Um, uh, you know, it's you know, it's kind of funny. I have a confession for you guys. Um, I've never told you guys this. I was kind of an asshole kid, and I'm glad I've come so far. But I remember, um, I was hanging out at this farm for my friend's relatives one time in montana and they're like did you know that when you rip off the head of a grasshopper it'll still hop around 
So I oh. spent an hour one day trying to catch grasshoppers, and when, when I finally caught one, I felt so guilty for doing this, but I wanted to see it, so I ripped its head off, of course, and uh, I watched it bounce around, and I felt super guilty about that. And I, I bet to, to this day that right, probably Dahmer. still bothers you. Oh, definitely, <laughs> definitely still haunts me. Ugh. Like, dude, How any time I... did you kill? Anytime I've ever... Like, let me tell you this. True story. Anytime I've ever accidentally or purposefully committed any act of violence on an animal, I have felt guilty about it. Um, what a brave stance. It, like, yeah. it, it's kind of fucked up, though, because, like, I, I kind of uh, empathize with where vegans and vegetarians are because, like, I'll still eat meat, and there mm. are some days... There's some days where I feel guilty about it. Like, I'm yeah, like, I know what you mean. I do. Yeah. I do too. Yeah. No, the smile is the tastiest part. That's what I always say. Josh, <laughs> trigger warning. The trigger McDonald's warning. Smile. <laughs> I I feel the same way. Yeah. I don't. I never messed with bugs when I was a kid or anything, but I do feel. I do feel the same way. Yeah, man. Um, don't don't go do yeah. it when you're an adult. You'll feel even worse. Granted, I've never done it, but like, also, who I has remember- the time? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Anyways, I'll shut it up. It was now. therapy for Shay. He had to get that off his chest. It was therapy for Shay. It know? was. It was <laughs> therapeutic. It was. There are probably healthier this ways for us to respond. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. So that's a lot to unpack there. I'm sure I can make a fun video out of that. Oh God, this is the true horror. Which legendary platformer do you prefer? I don't really prefer. think this is a weird debate to have. You're the only one who seems to. It's so strange that. You were so wrong about this, and not just so wrong, but didn't realize how wrong you were. Like, Banjo-Kazooie is good, but... Come on. I said prefer. I didn't say which was the better game. I said which That's do you prefer. That's really the same thing, though, isn't it? No, no, I don't think so. I don't think... Because 64 was like a landmark game. It was, it was yeah, a pivotal game for a lot you, of people. It, like, if you're talking prefer, then that's like a... You have to take one or leave one conversation. And of course I'm going to take Mario 64. Mario. Well, here's the thing. I will agree with Morgan to the point where I don't think better means more preferred because if I'm not a big fan of Mario, but I'm a big fan of bears or the whimsical nature of that, maybe I prefer Banjo-Kazooie. But like any sane person would, I still prefer (laughs) Super Mario 64 every day of the week. Jesus. Of course. I I just just don't get it. I don't. It's a perfect game. I just, I'm just, I just feel like there's just, maybe I'm just sick of Mario. I don't know. There's a lot of Mario out there. I love Mario, but also there's a lot of Mario. I like, I think that Banjo-Kazooie is just a little quirky. Banjo-Kazooie. The the soundtrack <laughs> is a little more interesting to me. The, like the vibe of the world is more aesthetically interesting. Like Mario. Oh, Banjo is a fantastic Mario. game. No one's going to debate that. Yeah. That, w- that was much later on the 64. So they'd kind of figured out how to make the games look a little better because there were a lot of like tricks that you had to learn to actually make things run well on that system um i mean that's even true mario still but yeah yeah but like especially especially back then um like mario 64 did a lot of them like it's not a bad looking game but they they were I, th- I think they, I think they did a better job with Banjo Kazooie, as far as like getting what they could out of out of the machine. Yeah, I think that's totally totally fair to say. And like you said, it's so much later in the console's life cycle. Like 
they knew that cons they knew the hardware up and down by that point. Yeah. Rich, you don't own a band you don't own a Mario sixty four soundtrack. That's because the, Nintendo like, doesn't fucking release <laughs> shit. I know. I have no idea why Nintendo make it just that hard to get a hold of soundtracks to their games. It is ridiculous yeah it's a, it's a sick thing because they know you'll want it more like yeah if, if, yeah it's like rich well, was saying he has the this what, what you have the soundtrack to the mario uh, versus rabbids yeah game because it's, it's the only way to get a lot of those because. songs on mm-hmm. yeah like because mm-hmm. ubisoft yeah. is more than willing to put that soundtrack <laughs> if and if they, they own that put, like um if they ever put Donkey Kong country on vinyl i'd probably have to talk my wife into getting vinyl so it's probably why they don't do it you know yep it's just it's too good uh, I just was surprised when they were not. I'm not trying to say it was more important or a better game to a lot of people. I'm just surprised we're not more people that preferred it. Like just because, like in the same way that I prefer Donkey Kong to Mario, I'm just surprised there were not more people out there like that. But there was not. So I don't know. Freaking banjo haters. Nobody hates banjo. Nobody. Nobody. Nobody likes banjo. No, nobody hates him. Nobody. I I wonder how many people. Anyways, that's that's another question, another poll for another day. Um, so congratulations, Mario. It was a stomping. Although, you know what? You pick Mario and Smash Brothers, and I'll pick Banjo-Kazooie. And I'll smash that's you That's a totally different conversation. <laughs> Has anyone tried Banjo in Smash yet? I have, and I think you're wrong there. I think Mario would probably hold his own in that one. Mario's a really versatile Smash character, yeah. to be fair, though. Yeah. I don't know. They're... Benjo Kazooie was really good in uh, in Smash. It's not bad at all. Um, they did a, they did, they did a good job with that. As with my that boy one. Banjo would say, "Go!" <laughs> hmm. <laughs> thank, thank, thank you for that. Uh, I still have that. Uh, I actually made a, a bunch of videos this week. I still have more to go up next couple days. I just got distracted with that Arthur Morgan video today, which was awesome. So, anyways, we have another long podcast record. It's been a lot of fun, guys. But let's get out of here again. You can support us at patreoncom chomp. Go there now. Subscribe. Five star ratings wherever you can. Share it with your friends. Anything you want to do to get the Sword Chomp name out there. There's a whole beautiful world of Sword Chomp just waiting for you. That's true. You just kind of plunder it. That's true. Morgan, what about if they want to wear Sword Chomp? If they just can't get enough of us and want to wear us? Well, they, well, they if you want to wear me, you have to cut my flesh off of my, my body. Um, Jesus Christ, slow. and I thought Shay was Jeffrey Dahmer. And make sure that I'm... Uh, I mean, look, if you want to rep our merchandise and there's something wrong with you, I wouldn't recommend it. Um you don't want to. You don't want to. What a great stuff. sell! Stop trying to <laughs> neg the audience. <laughs> it's a psychological ploy. It's reverse psychology. You don't want to wear our merchandise. You don't want to go to redbubble.com slash people slash swordchomp. Yeah, you definitely don't want to go there. Do not go to redbubble.com slash people slash swordchomp. Don't go there. Screw Do you! I'm check going out there. Our three awesome designs where you can wear shirts, or you can get phone cases, or even duvets. If, and there are even baby onesies on there. You definitely don't want those. You can get a duvet, and Morgan doesn't even know what that is. You, d- you definitely don't want to have unprotected sex, have a baby, and then buy a onesie that's a sword chomp onesie for that baby. You definitely don't want to do that. Definitely don't want to do that. No. And you definitely don't want to wear um, a sword chomp condom with Rich's face on it saying Zambo. 
which is something Zambo. we unfortunately don't have, but you really don't want. We're that. working on it. It says Zambo when you ejaculate. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's like one of those, those color things. Yeah, those like mugs. The those mugs that when it yeah. heats up, it changes color. Yeah, yeah. Don't you want yeah, it to yeah, be your shower that. curtain? <laughs> um, I don't know. Something about. Hmm. I was trying to take that joke somewhere uncomfortable, and I'm not sure I want to do it. <laughs> it's uh, even uncomfortable for you. Good look, job. Look, my wife can go down on us both at the same time, Rich. Sword chop the bath mat! I feel like I'm doing that Spaceballs bit. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you guys. Just for fun, I did want to like get like $300 and just buy all sorts of sword chomp merchandise just to have a room with a bunch of... Just because it's cool to see your logo on shit. You know what I mean? It is. <laughs> it is. It is cool. I feel um, you. But... I haven't done that yet. Anyways, let's get out of here. Um, thank you, Rich, for being here from New York. Josh from Michigan. Shay from Japan. I, of course, Morgan here from Montana. We will see you next week for an all-new Chomcast.